This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to OrbitalJigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is the Limitless Keith Lee, and I'm here to ask you to stop what you're doing. Take just one moment and bask in the glory of the Busted Wide Open podcast. Mwah. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 184. Still broken, battered, and bruised for moving this entire studio in the last 48 hours, my name is Nick Howell. And Goldberg says he wants a receipt from The Undertaker for their match, and I am Sir Ian Dangerous, and I just want a <laughs> refund. Welcome to the show, everybody, and uh, yes, Nick, you are in your new digs over there. Congratulations, sir, yeah. on a 48-hour move. <laughs> I did a, it all for the listeners. It ain't like all you for ain't the got show. Nothing to, to move either. You got the whole Star Trek spaceship over there in that room that we run this show on. So very impressive, sir. Very impressive, and, <sighs> and thank you very much for that. Um, however, that was not all that happened this week. A whole lot has happened in wrestling this week, Nick. We've got NXT, AEW, SmackDown. Plus, we're going home to TLC. TLC uh, is tomorrow. Last night was Ring of Honor final battle. After our show today, like like almost exactly as soon as we're done uh, recording here today, will be NWA's uh, Into the Fire. Into the Fire. Uh, and it's gonna it's just a madhouse right now. Uh, so I don't I don't want to sit here and dawdle. Let's get right into this. Let's do some housekeeping and let's talk about the wrestling. Absolutely. Well, guys, come over and join us on Facebook. It is the hub of our operation. Just search for Busted Wide Open over there. Like our page and then send us a join request to get into the BWO discussion group with the rest of the phenomenal ones where you'll find also a link to our Discord community where we have all of our live chats for all of the shows all throughout the week as well as dedicated chat channels for real-time chat during all of the pay-per-views across the board. It is the place to be. It helps us keep all the spoilers out of the group, and everybody can have lots of good fun times over there, and they stick around forever, unlike other things, Facebook. <laughs> you can also find us over on Twitter and Instagram, at BWO Podcast, streaming live right here on YouTube at youtube.com slash Open every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern and every Saturday at 
uh, 3 p.m. Eastern. One of these days, I'll get that right for sure. That's Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern. What I meant to say was that after the 3 p.m. show today, we're going to be doing our BWO patron mailbag at around Mm. 5 p.m. Eastern, depending on when we finish this one. So you don't want to miss that. It's where our listeners, or our patrons specifically, get to send in questions so that they can we get to answer them right here on the show. It used to be our listener questions on the podcast. You might remember that at the end of the shows, but we decided it was so important. We wanted to thank our patrons. We broke it out into its own individual live stream series right here on YouTube. And to get in on that, you can head over to patreon.com slash BWO and sign up for just that $5 tier. And you can ask questions every single week for every episode of the patron mailbag. Many more perks over there, such as bonus episodes, uh, copies of the show notes, sweet swag. Hell, you can even do Skype interviews once a month with myself and Sir Ian Dangerous. All kinds of goodness happening over at patreon.com slash BWO. But Ian, just like you said, we have got no time to waste because we are getting straight into the graps because there's so much to go over. So let's kick this off with AEW. Well, on TV, it was certainly a really fun show this week. But uh, Nick, before we get into actually like what went down on the show, I want to talk about something that has been a, a topic of discussion this whole week about this episode of AEW, and that was, you could even see it in some of the shots, like when Big Swole ran around the ring, there was a whole wall. There was a whole, the whole hard camera side was totally empty. There was no one in those seats. There was a lot of empty seats on this show, and there's been a lot of doomsayers already saying, ah, oh, AEW's done, it's, stick a fork in it, it's toast. Uh, what did you think about all of the empty seats in that arena there, Nick? Uh, where were they this week? For some reason, I feel like it was Corpus Christi or something like that. Corpus so Christi one of those te- is next week. This was Garland, Texas, I believe. Oh, so outside of Dallas. JR kept saying, yeah, right here, outside of Dallas. Yeah, Curtis Curwell Center, so, uh, Garland, Texas. Right. So Dallas is usually a pretty good crowd. They've usually got a pretty good appetite for professional wrestling in Dallas. But Garland... I don't know. Well, I don't know. Is I, I remember the beginning away? of the G1, the beginning of the G1 they had in Texas, right around Dallas as well, and it, they could barely get anyone in that arena as well. And that really right. was empty, that arena. So mm. that was a that was a bit disappointing. Um, Cody did address this. He said uh, he tweeted out, "We had over 4,500 people at 80 percent utilization, well above market, vibrant crowd throughout. We will definitely be back." So he obviously, you know. He's got motivation to make it sound good. But he's saying, no, 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 it's fine. We don't have a problem with it. So, uh, yeah. It, but the, the other question is, is what is the normal average expected attendance these days? Because, you know, it used to be fifteen to 17,000 is what you want to see for one of these shows. Um, you know, we know that Raw and SmackDown numbers have dropped precipitously. Yeah. Uh, for example... You know, this week's AEW show only sold 800 less tickets than last Monday's Raw in Greenville, South Carolina. So, you know, take that for Fayetteville. what it will. So, uh, no, that was Greenville. Greenville you're right. Greenville. Fayetteville was SmackDown. Um, so that's the, here's the thing: is that like it's this is not just AEW. It seems to be the market. It seems to be people who want to go to live shows. Uh, so there's a lot of other factors involved here. So. I uh, just wanted to throw that out there for people who are. It might have that. something to do with the fact that a beer is $15. <laughs> People's appetite for live events might be going down thanks concessions and greed and capitalism. And the holiday I'm season? Just saying, I don't know. 
and it's there could be a lot of factors. But the the bottom line is, is he Cody was putting it out there that look like we're you know also the arena by the way at a sixty eight hundred person um, uh, cap, so it wasn't like they were that far below total attendance possibility. So all right, yeah, I don't get wrapped around the axle about that kind of stuff unless it's like an entire promotion's pay per view that's empty. <laughs> well, sorry, oh my. Um, so we're talking about AEW, though. We'll get to that later because um, I definitely have some thoughts around that. Um, I don't really get – look, they're two months in. Not even two full months. Well, I guess yeah, almost two full – three full months. Steiner math again. Um, but the – I don't get too wrapped around the axle about this. They're doing this every single week. And they've already got pay-per-views announced going into almost March of next year. So, eh, little, little small showing doesn't show up. The fact that the TV numbers are pretty much staying, have, have yep. flattened and stayed there is what's important to me. Yeah. If those start dropping like the Raw and SmackDown shows did, have done a couple of times over the course of the year, that's where I'm going to start because they don't have a lot of room to lose. No. Uh, Even those numbers could two, be better, but I, I like the spring will be really be the tell. Sure. I, you know, I think that, I sure. think this time of year is always tough. But let's get into the show itself. Uh, yep. Open up with John Moxley having a squash match, murdering a dude. Uh, and uh, it was Alex Reynolds was the guy he murdered this time. Uh, pretty mm-hmm. quick paradigm shift and one, two, three, it was done, but that was not the only paradigm shift on the show because out came surprisingly Le champion, uh, who was the been, entire inner circle came out. Well, <laughs> surrounded yeah. the ring, you know, Le champion is not being, uh, he's not going to allow himself to be in that ring alone with Moxley right now. This is very cagey on his part. Uh, but it was kind of shocking. He's been he's been dodging him for the last few weeks. Came out to to the ring and uh, hopped in the ring and said that he was offering Moxley a true paradigm shift, and that was to join uh, the inner circle, Jericho's mm-hmm. little cadre. So uh, this was this was very fun. Moxley never said a word. He stood there and, and listened the entire time. Uh, Jericho treated him like a spiky plant and just didn't get anywhere near him. Just even when he was like, "Hey, join the inner circle here. Let me give you a shirt." He kind of like threw the shirt over his shoulder from a distance. Uh, Delicately placed it on his shoulder. <laughs> just don't want to set you off there, big guy. Uh, but this was a fun little segment, and uh, they even referenced their plot of their feud back in WWE, including their their hardcore match with the Asylum match. Uh, they they mentioned, what was his name? Um, uh, Mitch the Mitch, Houseplant. Mitch the Houseplant. Uh, and the tax that Jericho went into, the fact that Dean Ambrose destroyed Jericho's jacket. Um, they called back to plot in WWE and, and Jericho said, you know, I, I got you over over then you asked me, you came to me and asked me what I had to do to get over. And I'm telling you now join the inner circle. So, uh, what did you think of all this? Nick, was it, was it cool to involve the WWE history? Should they stay away from that? Uh, nope. is this, is it like, should Moxley have, have been set off by this or like, or was this all just nice little plot building for, for what's coming? I think if this had been anybody else but Jericho, it would Moxley would have just kicked him in the face and it would have been over with. Um, but the fact that it is Jericho, they do have the history that he called back to basically ad nauseum across the board, their entire history, and recapped everything. Plus, he was on... I mean, I think he has a lot of respect for Jericho. I think my, my position on this is that Moxley has made himself in AEW as a mercenary, as a just an independent contractor that is just going to... But just do whatever the hell he wants. You don't think of him the kind of like a like a stone cold character, like just out for himself, doesn't DGAF totally. on anybody else. D- that's kind of what I was getting to. Okay. Yes, it's just just independent, 
does what he wants when he wants. Need, and, and the worst thing you can do is put that guy, make him a goon in a faction. You, the worst thing you can do is Jake Hager him. Mm. Right? So I, I think, I don't think Mox, I think this is going to be fun to play out. They could make this story, they could make it last as long as they want to. Those two are brilliant. Um, that crowd was hot for Moxley when he was coming out through the, through the audience. That place erupted. And they even just erupted. Yeah! Oh, Jesus. Okay, Jesus. Mox! Okay, just to make the point, right? <laughs> I, he doesn't announce anybody else like that but John Moxley. So it, it's kind of little indicators like that that I'm watching around Moxley. They got big plans for Moxley. Uh, no, of course they do. He's the, he's the top guy in their company right now. Both, uh, no way he's joining the inner circle, is, I guess is my point. Well, duh. <laughs> Did you actually? No, this is a fun little thing where he's going to be able to reject it, and we're going to have a lot of fun watching him reject Jericho, and it's just it's a way to get to the next week. But I thought it was a lot of fun, and, and, and honestly, I also thought it was a very smart decision on their part to go this route because – it's going to be fun to watch him reject it, and it does buy them some more time. So, uh, If he does somehow magically bring out his torn to shreds Christmas tree jacket, that would be amazing. Uh, throw it in Jericho, his face. one thing that's really good about Jericho, he's, he doesn't really go back in time on his gimmicks. Very rarely does he do that. Uh, you know, the lexicon of Jericho would be the closest thing, I think. And even then, he's evolving it, so... <clears throat> Excuse me, that's the lexicon of Le Champion. Mm, right. Uh, we also had the uh, tag match that was teased last week. The Butcher and the Blade had their inaugural tag match against Cody and QT Marshall. QT, of course, usually known as an enhancement guy, handpicked by the Butcher and the Blade to team with Cody. Uh, and I was really shocked because this turned into not getting over the Butcher and the Blade, who are having their first match and should probably be coming out looking like studs. Uh, and they looked fine, but Q, this was a, a match to get QT Marshall over for some reason. He started getting all this babyface offense, and like he had the story. It was like the story where he, he was the improbable uh, loser who was suddenly like finding all this with all this within himself that he was able to actually put on a good match, even though he ultimately did eat the pin. There was a bunch of big baby babyface baby spots for QT Marshall. What was this, Nick? Should they have gotten Butcher and Blade over more, or was it okay to get QT over like this? No, I, I, I think the, I, I think it happened by accident. If I'm being completely honest, what, no, I don't think this was the this. point. They, this was, this was their idea behind the match. This is how they <laughs> was to get QT Marshall over. Th this is how they, they structured the match so that he would get all this babyface fire. The crowd would get behind him and think, oh my god, maybe this loser might actually win this match. That's how it was structured. Like that right. wasn't an they, accident. Some, no, some crazy finisher they've got this some kind of suplex backstabber thing that they just murdered him on why um, isn't it called the butcher's block that's what i want to know <sighs> that would be the amazing. chopping that's really good chopping actually chopping block. chopping block oh yes uh none of this made any sense to me until after dynamite when they played mjf's promo on social media w why would you not play that on the tv anyway what, what, they, that was, what, what promo? They had a promo for, from MGF in the beginning of the match where he was saying, like, so, I hired these guys. They're going to come get you, Cody. So maybe I'm crossing my streams here, but I think that was that on Dark? So they, they, they had Butcher Blade and Bunny come, do a promo video on Dark this past week. Yes. And, and then afterwards, MGF had a promo with uh, Wardlow. Sitting in the background, they were like a on, dark red corridor. On social media. No, that was also in the middle of the show itself as Butcher and Blade were making their entrance and Cody's making his ostentatious entrance. Uh, they played that as well, just all to right. remind us all. 
It's been a long week. It ha- no, ladies and gentlemen, please excuse Nick. I get, please I get a pass Nick. today. <laughs> I've watched so much yeah. wrestling in the last 24 hours trying to catch right. up. Right, while in the middle of moving an entire house yeah. into another enormous house as well. Uh, so, no, we, you get a pass. I'm letting you know. Yes, they did play the MCF promo uh, saying, ah, that's right, I spent my money getting Butcher and Blade here. Uh, to take right. you out, Cody. Ha ha ha. Now it all kind of makes sense. But this is kind of my point that... is like, well, it kind of makes MJF look like a doof and it kind of makes Butcher and Blade look less good if they can't put out a guy called like like QT Marshall. You can't put him down. What is MJF spending his money for? It's, it's kind of like uh, uh, the James Bond movies where like the, you know, the evil genius is like, I got all his goons going to James Bond. He's like, you incompetent idiots. You cannot even take out one man. You know, like that's what this is here is... You guys can't take out QT Marshall, really? They're storm. They're stormtroopers. We, we, you came out to silence because no one knew who you were, and they didn't have the right. the foresight to try and build you up or have the announcers know who you were so they could tell us. Uh, so you came out to silence, and then now you're in your first match. You're putting over a, an enhancement guy or making him look good. What? Like this yeah. should have been them murdering QT Marshall. You should you should have sto- told this story. Later on, have QT's redemption later on. It was mind-boggling to me that we didn't get Butcher and Blade over right away as a legitimately dangerous team. The, the announcers tried to put them over. There was a lot of talk about how great they were, but then they were in yeah. there having trouble putting away QT Marshall. So I liked how they neutralized Cody, got him out of the way, but it should have gone the reverse from there, and they should have just absolutely sacrificed uh, QT Marshall right in front of Cody and made him watch or sure. something like or, that. Or have like, them, that would have been brilliant. Have them beat down Cody, do what they're there to do. QT Marshall comes in for the save and actually holds his own uh, and has a big thing because he's actually like saves Cody up to a point and then they put him down. This was, uh, yeah, I didn't quite understand um, the way that they built this match. But at the same time, it was entertaining. Uh, Butcher and Blade looked good. Um. Yeah. So don't really have a problem with that. Also, it looks like uh, at the end of the match, Cody was sitting dejectedly outside the ring as Butcher and Blade left, and Hook should come stalking down the ramp. But Darby Allen, Cody Allen, Cody's been saying he's got no friends left in AEW, but apparently Darby says, "Nay, you got a friend in me." And next week we are actually having a Darby and Cody tag team match. So that's that is cool. It's cool, and Darby's over as hell. Or Darby's over as hell too. So, oh yeah, uh, that's gonna oh, be yeah. a nice pairing. Uh, you mentioned MJF. Well, we had an MJF promo. Oh, did we ever have an MJF promo? That Th- this Jesus is gonna. Christ. I'm gonna remember this promo for a long time. That oh? was. Uh, this was really good. What about it? Just just tearing everything down. You you couldn't have been much more of a butthead than he was to everybody and everything and AEW and just the audience, the fans, just everybody just tore everybody down. And I, I absolutely loved this. I, I want to see what's going to happen. With he went Wardlow. after Cody's lisp. Like he went after everything. Yeah. Like what? Whoa, dude. <laughs> it, it turned personal there. Yeah. And I was just like, Oh, okay. He started off with getting He's, a staffer to kiss his ring and then gives, gives him right. a crossroads. Um, he, uh, he called off, he called out Cody for calling him a knockoff Chris Jericho the week before. Uh, and so he was like, Oh, I'm a knockoff Chris Jericho. All right, let's go. And he just went off on Cody. Um, and then said, okay, yeah, I just went off on you. Go ahead. Fire me. Oh wait, I know you can't fire me because if you do, you can't get your hands on me. So I know I've got you over a barrel 
And uh, tell you what, you can get your match, but I'll tell you the stipulation at another time. Probably in the new year, I'll tell you the stipulations for this match. So just beautiful heel work here, Nick. I mean, is, 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 he, is he the top heel talker there is? Or like, who else is on his level right now? Uh, I'd put Jericho just, I mean, right there with him. Yep. Um, Jay White, I've got to throw in there, uh, for my opinion. Like, I've, oh, yeah. I've been live where Easily. Jay White has had a crowd ready to just murder him. <laughs> jump <the barricades. laughs> just jump the barricades <laughs> and kill him. Um, trying to think who else. I mean, it's just as far as like heel talkers. I, it's funny because I, and the hot take, Blair. hot take, Baron Corbin. Uh, he's not a charismatic talker in the way that MGF is, where like it's just fun. But he can get a crowd to hate him in three sentences. He can, and that's not nothing. Like they may not be as fun and smooth as MJF, but if you're talking about people who can get a crowd to hate them, like a heel promo, Corbin's got to be in the conversation these days. I hate to say it because they're not great promos, but he can make you hate him. He knows the trigger points. But uh, but anyway, sure. yeah, so MJF waiting until the new year to tell us the stipulations for the inevitable Cody match. Um, a little little dark order moment here where, uh, what was it, Alex from the Beaver Boys was in a hotel room. And it was Alex Reynolds again. Alex Reynolds, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, from earlier. Yeah, and uh, the, uh, the he was in the hotel room watching the little, like, ho- what, what do you call that, like the hotel promotional video that they have, like, welcome to yeah. bleh, wherever you are. And uh, Mot- Motel 19, and here you can make sure that you can watch the pay-per-views. On, 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 on. Uh, so they're watching. he's watching that, and all of a sudden it does a little creepy thing where it turns into a Dark Order commercial, and it's like, do you not want to be a jobber anymore, Alex? And he's like, well, yeah, no, I don't want to. And he starts talking to the TV, and creepy little thing. Um, how, are they getting better, this Dark Order gimmick? Like, is this what they should have done all along and just not introduce them and just introduce them this way slowly? Yes. Like, should they, should yes. they have done that? Like... It feels like to me like they're going to have to go out on a limb to to restart this gimmick in a sense. I think we've said that already um, a week or two ago. I'm saying uh, it again. Saying, I'm what, saying it again. Yeah, we, we were we were talking about how they debuted Butcher Bunny and Blade, right? Right. And they they, they now and we were talking about Dark Order is suffering a lot of the same faults, right? So if they but they're doing the videos in the Dark Order now, they should have done it in reverse. Absolutely. Had they done all of this as a buildup, and we called back to the Wyatt family sitting in the barns in the rocking chairs when they first debuted years and years ago. So, yes, I absolutely think that the point is to do some of this buildup before they walk out and beat up Cody Rhodes for no reason. Right? You know, like, what? Who are you? Why are you here? You know. I also saw a criticism of where people were saying um, that uh, this was WWE style filming, <clears throat> where you know, one of the things people criticize about WWE is you never have an idea of if it's uh, where the camera is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is there physical people in the room? And this was actually an issue for me this week on SmackDown, which we'll get to later. But you don't know if the camera is physically in the room or if, you know, it's just like a, a, a non-existent camera and we're just, you know, we're omniscient. We're seeing things in the room. And this kind of went back and forth on that. So... I don't know. Yeah. Some critique there, but I didn't. I didn't notice it too much. I think I, I'm just so used to wrestling tropes that it didn't register. 
Yeah, uh, I don't even pay attention to that stuff really anymore. <laughs> Unless they do some crazy shit like sanity and just shake the camera all over the place. Right, when just, you make uh, a true saver, they do like the... the you know, camera like, work on Final Battle last night was atrocious. Rack zooms. I noticed it there. Yeah. So just, yeah. it's I don't notice it unless it's just that bad. Mm. Well, speaking of bad, something that was not was Big Swole versus Emi Sakura. It was a really good women's match. Big Swole officially now with AEW. She signed last week and she had a match where she got put over by emmy sakura uh what was your thought on this match nick was this are we, are we starting to go in the right direction on the women's division here why am i supposed to care Ooh, not a, not a fan of this i'm a fan both of these ladies are magnificent performers why am i supposed to care uh because when lost you've got brandy off doing this stuff with the nightmare collective you've got reho what we haven't seen on tv in 10 years and why am I supposed to care about these two? Well, largely because Emi Sakura was the third highest rated woman, uh, woman in the women's division. And um, you had uh, Hikaru Shida, who's the number one still, was sitting ringside. So Swole basically is now moving up the ranks because she beat the number three ranked woman. So that's why. Okay. Uh, that's where you're supposed to care. Also, I was intrigued by this because Emi is obviously way more of a... Uh, seasoned veteran than Swole is, and you could see her helping Swole through this match until about three quarters of the way through, where Sakura started puking on the side of the ring, and I don't know if she got n- knocked in the head or she was sick coming out or what it was. They did not say. Uh, I have not been able to find why Emmy was throwing up at the end of this match, but she gutted through it. Pardon the pun. Finished the match. Uh, I thought it was actually an impressive match from both women. You know what I mean? As far as the the women's division in general, I was I was entertained by it. I thought Swole looked good. She got the crowd hyped for her, um, and her and Sheeta I think would be a fun little feud too. So I actually wasn't mad at this. I'm I'm a bit of a reactionary puker. Can we not talk about vomiting anymore? Okay, sure. I should. <laughs> so I shouldn't mention that there was like a a brown stain at like the hard camera side of the ring for the rest of the night. They couldn't even <laughs> they couldn't even change the mat. There are people rolling around in it for the rest of the night. I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> My eyes are watering. Uh, <laughs> all right, then I won't. We'll move on. We'll move on. Uh, and we had a, we had Emmy Sakura puking on AEW Dynamite, and we're going to have Nick Howell puking on BWO here in a minute. <laughs> we keep going down the <laughs> get a get a bucket. Hangman yeah, right. Page. And- I got an empty box over there, but that's about oh, it. Oh no! Well, <gasps> Naya, run. Hangman Page and Kenny Omega had a tag match versus Sean Spears and Kip Sabian. Uh, was interesting little tag team. Apparently, like, they made this work because they said that uh, uh, you had uh, Tully Blanchard was looking for a tag partner for Sean Spears, which, all right, he's just getting started being a singles guy. He hasn't really had the best time of it, but we're going to try and make him a tag. Uh, all right. Sure. Okay. Uh, so they're going to try out Kip Sabian. All right. Well, that went all well until the lights went out in the middle of the match and the lights came back on and Tully Blanchard had a rope wrapped around him at the top of the ramp. He, I would say he's tied to a chair, but it was basically he had a rope around him and was kind of squirming around in a chair. Joey Janela standing behind him, cackling. And so, of course, Sean Spears, Tully, ah! runs up the ramp. Uh, he and Joey Janela get into a fight. Tully kind of hobbles off to the side. And then it's just Hangman and Kenny Omega versus poor Kip Sabian. Uh, 
So that, he got murdered <laughs> by Kenny Omega. Well, V Trigger, One Winged Angel, and then out of nowhere, yeah. Hangman Page tags himself in yeah. after Kenny had the match won just to get the pinfall. Are we turning Hangman Page heel here? I don't know, but there's something going on. I, I don't know if we're going all the way heel, but it definitely feels like with with like if you watch Being the Elite on YouTube, he's been moving away from the Elite for a while. Uh, huh. I, but I don't know if they should turn him all the way heel because they have a lot of heels already in AEW. Do, I don't know if they need one more, but uh, Hangman Page, for instance, let's say, I don't know, throwing booking out there, let's say Hangman Page betrays everyone and joins the inner circle. That would be a pretty epic heel turn. That would be a big shocker heel turn, even if they do kind of like hint at it right now if it feels more like, Hangman just wants to go his own way. He doesn't want to play second fiddle to the Bucks and Kenny Omega. That's what they're making it feel like now. So at least there would be some rationale if he does end up betraying everybody. Uh, but it wouldn't feel like it was straight up telegraphed. So um, I'm not sure if that's going to be the thing that makes people care about Hangman Page, though. I'm that's not sure. It's, I, I don't think it's not. I think it actually could help a lot. Because uh, right now he's kind of bland babyface number four. Yeah, you know, that's what well, was our true. beef with him over the summer. And it actually, it worked for him at the time because he was supposed to be bland babyface number four against Chris Jericho. And they, they showed that they were smart by not keeping him on that, like, you know, lol hangman wins uh, run he was on. Right. So that was good. But, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see where they're going with this. And uh, I'm also curious why they're keeping Janela and Spears in each other's orbit. I don't know if they're the best matchups for each other, but... I am intrigued with it. Not mad at it, you know? Yeah. So uh, I am a little bit mad at Brandy Rhodes' little nightmare collective gimmick, which seems, oh, to, come be, on. seems to be a, uh, a – well, but they've already got the Dark Order. Why are you doing this as well? You know I keep saying this. I agree. All yeah. right. Well, so what do you – what do you? Come but at? I want to give it a chance to turn into something before I shit all over it. You know, I, I want to give it a – does Brandy Net Rhodes need to keep coming if, out in a, in a one-piece bathing suit basically and – uh, talking about evil shit. I, that's where I get a little bit like, what you're making some bad choices. That's my point. Is you know? uh, it's exactly my point. Is I don't like. If, okay, if you want to have two different cult gimmicks, fine. But you have to show me the difference between them fairly quickly. Otherwise, I'm going to get where I am right now, which is why do you guys have two cult gimmicks at the same time? Yeah, okay. One cult is a is a, a you know a, like some creepy gimp dudes. Uh, running around, and and the other one is uh, a hot chick who's shaving people's heads. They're still both cult gimmicks. Um, and who was that man? Doctor Luther. Who was that bald man behind the, with his back turned to us? It wasn't Simon Miller, was Doc, it? No. Oh no. Uh, that'd be cool though. Uh, little actually, it, I thought of Kane. I thought of like unmasked Kane. It is was my. It's what I thought of immediately when I saw the white button-down shirt, right. And that kind of side profile. I was like, <gasps> is that Kane? No, it's not Kane. It's Kane's being busy being a mayor. No, but, no, no. It's uh, I, my suspicion is it's Doctor Luther. He may come out as a. He probably will come out as a different name. But if you know Chris Jericho, uh, one of his good buddies, and he's been around for a long time. But uh, he would actually be perfect for this, so I'm hoping that's who it is. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. They need to they need to define the difference between the two cults fairly quickly. Apparently, Awesome Kong has a match next week, so hopefully, we will get a little bit more differentiation between the two. But um, yeah. you know, I'm not mad at the concept. Like I said, just the execution. You got to 
how you how you show it to us, separate them more. Yeah. Uh, next, we had Luchasaurus versus Sammy Guevara. Uh, yes, please. Um, this was a lot. Hey, dude, is there anybody who is as over having done as little as Luchasaurus? No. Like, dude, I would say he's he's one of the most over people. You know, you put Mox aside, he's probably one of the most over people in AEW. Currently. You know, it's funny. You mentioned Kane, and one of the things that Kane had, like Kane, is one of those guys that I think, as his career winds down, people will really kind of sit back and start to talk about how incredible Glenn Jacobs is as a performer. Oh yeah, and if you look at his career the longevity of it and the matches he was in and the things he's done, people are going to start realizing what an absolute all-time great Kane was and is. Um, one of the things that's rarely spoken about, but I think that is something that's, that's a, that is one of his major um, upsides, was the fact that he could do almost nothing and it would feel cool and you would be engaged by it. He could stand in a ring and adjust his glove and you'd be like, ooh, right? And that's something that right. not like there's a lot of big guys, not a lot of big guys as big as Kane, but there's a lot of big guys. Um, and very few of them have that ability to do very little, but get over by doing very little, by look cool doing very little. Luchasaurus is one of those guys. Dude can just be standing there and you go, who's that? Who's that guy? He can do one move or just like a little shift of his body. And you go, ooh, that's cool. And not to mention that he cuts really cool promos as well. Well, it's He's, funny. It's, it's kind of playing into the intelligence angle, I, right. which I kind of dig. You have to be careful it doesn't get into Sandow territory or librarian it's a little, Avalon territory. It could be a little kitschy. That's the thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it could, the, His thing could be a little kitschy with his whole, like, I'm. first of all, <laughs> he's a big, cool-looking guy. And then you, wait, you stop and think about it, and you're like, wait, no, his gimmick is he's literally a dinosaur. <laughs> and then he started- you, know, you mentioned Kane. The thought that I had, I had to look it up real quick just to make sure I wasn't crazy. One of the first things Kane became known for was he, he took a chance on Smoky Mountain Wrestling with Cornette and the others, and he was in a tag team with Al Snow called the Dynamic Duo. Luchasaurus Jungle Boy, Kane, Al Snow. Oh, no, uh, you're right. He is, he's really good with smaller guys. He's a guy that does his right. best work with smaller guys. Agreed. Right. Kane, Kane and X-Pac. Like, absolutely. Kane and like, X-Pac. Kane and Daniel Bryan. You know, sure. Smaller guys. Luchasaurus. Uh, there's a lot of parallels. There's a lot. Um, but again, the gimmick where he'll start talking and he, he literally sounds like me doing my nerd impression. I'm, you know, I have a, a master's degree in philosophy and, and uh, anthropological science. <laughs> uh, that's, a weird, that's a weird gimmick. It might get over in AEW because that's kind of like the land of the misfit toys as far as gimmicks are concerned. But it's also, I don't know if it ha- has longevity to it. I don't know. I, it's definitely something that I raise my eyebrow at in terms of presentation because he's a guy who I th- could I just think be when it was just a big, cool guy. Yeah, when it was just Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, I, I would have the same questions. Now that they've made it into a Jurassic Express faction, yeah. they've got their own, they're using Luchasaurus's music basically, or they've created new music they for them. They have a fun little entrance where Jungle Stunt Boy comes out in like a hanging position on his back and then sits up and he's. It's brilliant. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's, they, they're nailing it, uh, all of the things. So, yeah, I, I, I am all in on Luchasaurus and, and Jurassic Express. They're a blast. Might be one of the most facey things 
you know, outside the top of the card kind of stuff going on. And they're even in. I mean, Jungle Boy's got a title match next week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not a title match. Wait, is it a title? It's not it's a, a title. It's a non-title Nobody match. knows if it's a title match or not. <laughs> no, Jericho, apparently. I'm still we hearing people saying, upset on social media right. that it's a Why is Jungle Boy getting a title match? Well, we were confused about it because they didn't make it clear either. And Jericho, of course, right. in typical fashion, came out and said, I made it perfectly clear it was a non-title match. I said I had to wrestle this many times the rest of the year, not having this many title matches. Rang. So yeah. yeah, it's a non-title match. The whole there's a whole thing about him going ten minutes with Jericho. All right, fun little stipulations. And at the end of this match, Luchasaurus beat Sammy Guevara. You had Jericho and um, uh, Hager up at commentary. They kicked uh, Excalibur and Shivani off a ca- of a commentary. They run to the ring, start beating down Luchasaurus, and uh, of course Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt come out, and we have a big scuffle. And we end up unofficially having Jungle Boy pin Jericho. He gets Jericho in a roll-up. Marco Stunt counts the three. So nice little for next week. Uh, Jungle Boy looking good heading into that. Uh, just one last thing about Luchasaurus, though. I mean, the first time I saw him was at, as Vibora in, uh, in Lucha Underground. Lucha Underground, and, yeah. And that was one where he just the dude just stood there and did stuff. And you were just like, I, I was at a show. I was at a taping where he came out. And you and I both were, I believe. And I, I was there with yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> we were just we were standing there going like, "Oh my god, this guy's an absolute unit!" Like he's just I was like, "Who is that?" And you're like, "Whoa, whoa!" But that's the impression he gives. So you 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 pair that with like a fun loving little gimmick, and it's I I love it. But as we always say, Nick, like comedy can only go so far. So yeah. I'm curious at what point they've got to kind of you know tighten up that gimmick. Uh, and then finally on this show. The Young Bucks versus Santana and Ortiz in a Texas street fight to become the number one contenders for SCU's tag titles. Nick Jackson working with the flu. Apparently, the guy was laid out in the locker room floor all the way up until this match started. Uh, did this Was this a blow-off match for their feud, or was it too early to have a blow-off match? Was that what this was? Am I crazy? I don't. Because this was a madhouse. Well, I mean, so the Young Bucks come out, their entrance hits, and LAX comes out and blindsides them from behind. For some reason, Brandon Cutler comes out to defend their honor and tries to take him. He quickly gets powerbombed through a table at the top of the ramp no, before no, anybody the, even gets the in the stage, ring. Through the stage. Through the stage. Which, of course, there's a gymnastic pad under there. He's okay. Thanks, fine. Um, were these, guys, these guys were trying to hurt each other, and I was okay with it. The Bucks and LAX have a long history. Uh, throughout the Indies of having these matches with each other, I kind of took this a little bit of a a, a thing, a, a flip of the nose at TLC that's happening this weekend <laughs> as well. Uh, they went through as many tables in one match as they're probably going to go through in the entire pay per view this weekend. I've I've never seen. I'd have to go back to a Hardys and. Dudley Boys match to find a, uh, where more tables were used. Yeah, it was pretty much any, anytime someone took a major bump, they were going through a table. Just like yeah. tables right and left. <laughs> like there was at one point, I think, what, all four guys took a big bump and each one landed on a table consecutively. Right. Like, who got those tables there? Where are those tables? What? It was a fun match, though. Even like, like creative use of stuff where uh, Matt Jackson came in, like they were beating up Nick uh, with, with kendo sticks and whatnot. And uh, Matt Jackson comes up behind Santana Ortiz and grabs him, and they swing around, start hitting him in the head with uh, with implements. But he's already got a, a Dallas Cowboys football helmet on, so he just shrugs right. it off. He's like, "What?" They go to hit him with their hands. Ow! So 450 splash on the trash can on top of Ortiz. 
Uh, there's just so many. Uh, Melcher driver down onto a chair. Yeah. Just this is this was my jam. I, I you guys know I love this kind of. It stuff. It was chaos. It was a, it was a yeah. very very fun match to watch. Who cares if it was the blow off or not? I hope not. Well, as good as I this match care, was. and we have to care because that's what we're here for, Nick. Oh, we, I want more I, of it. I, okay, so you're probably. This is my opinion. You're probably gonna get more of it. I don't see this as the blow off. I just saw this as their way of setting up the end of the year: Young Bucks versus uh, SCU. Which I don't think the Bucks are taking the titles off of SCU here. Bucks win this match, but I don't see them going on. Uh, whether it's shenanigans. Uh, during the match next week against SCU, and you see, uh, you see the LAS getting involved, or the Lucha Brothers, or whoever. I don't. See, I see SCU holding on the titles for uh, for a bit longer, at least until their yeah. next pay per view, which will be AEW Revolution in Chicago on February 29th, leap year. Mm. Uh, Chicago again. Chicago again. It's a good market for them. Yeah, all of you, uh, several of the phenomenal ones are in Chicago. So good news, guys. You get another yeah. AEW pay-per-view in Chicago. Yeah, that's a good time. Mm. Anytime AEW wants to come out to the West Coast, I'm not mad at it. But I mean, they, they said it's going to be a while, but, you know, not, not surprised. Uh, but, yeah, so that's – there we are. Another, uh, another pay-per-view announced. We've also got AEW dark matches coming next week. We've got uh, SCU versus Private Party. Non-title match, but – that's going to be there. Uh, Britt Baker versus Machiko, which is, I guess, a local talent. Uh, Chris Statlander will have a match against Bea Priestley. And mm. the winner is going to face Britt Baker in a number one contenders match next week in Corpus Christi. And then uh, Pack versus the Hybrid 2, which is, of course, uh, sorry, Pack and the Hybrid 2, which is Jack Evans and Angelico, versus the Best Friends and Orange Cassidy. So if you, if you need your vitamin C, if you didn't get it this week, Orange Cassidy will be on Dark next tuesday so interesting yeah so good stuff there nick oh yes well that's aew guys thank you very much uh we're gonna head over and talk about nxt well the big one the big match on this show nick i'm gonna get, I'm gonna get right to it because it's it was so fun triple threat the cruiserweight championship match to open up. oh that was such a good one that was so good but no i'm starting with the main event Oh, because how are you going to skip that cruiserweight? I'm not going to skip. I'm going to go back to it. I'm going to get back to it. Do we have our first like hardcore disagreement on what was the best thing in the on the show? I I can't eat. Well, I like them both equally, but it was the main event. Okay, we'll do, about the main event. We'll do first. the we'll do the main event first. We'll do that because I have a lot to say about that as well. Oh, go good. Well, I should hope so. The, <laughs> may I continue? The main event. Uh, go for it. Okay. The main event. Hang on, I'll give you the music again. Uh, no, 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 no. Go for it. The main event, triple threat, Finn Balor, Keith Lee, Tommaso Ciampa uh, for the number one contendership for the NXT Championship. Mwah. Mwah. All these guys. All these guys. Oh, man, this was a, this was a good match. Um, just bodies everywhere. Uh, my, you know, people like... like I love the fact that they set up, they had great promos throughout the entire show where they set up Adam Cole, Finn Balor, Ciampa, Lee. Everyone had a great promo about where their head was at coming into this match. Great setup for a match that had almost no build aside from like a week or two of, you know, of, of like booking it. But like, where are these guys' headspace at? Here's some promos. Awesome. Now I know all I need to know. I'm hyped for the match. 
Uh, it was just they were blocking each other all the time, taking advantage of the other guys getting hit. It was what you want a triple threat to be, Nick. What were some of your like highlights of the match? No, oh, I don't know. An electric chair air raid. Uh, uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mad at that. Because why not? Um, the way that it finished where Keith Lee spirit bombs Tommaso Ciampa and uh, hashtag out of nowhere, somehow feet just come down out of the top of the camera <laughs> in a coup de gras onto Keith Lee for uh, just... Well, they showed a, a, an angle of it where you were behind Finn Balor when he's on the top rope waiting for, for Keith Lee to give that spirit bomb to Ciampa. So you, and, and it's a perfect angle because you see Finn take off at that perfect moment as Lee is in the air himself bombing Ciampa and looks up at the last second. It's a great finish because it's believable that Lee was thinking he was finishing the match and didn't even see Finn setting up and just got aced out of nowhere. It protects him. It protects Ciampa. Great finish to the match. Uh, and Finn executed it perfectly. As you said, the camera was perfect on it for the initial shot where you were like, what? What's the No! Finn Balor is your number one contender for Adam Cole's championship. Is that the right call? Should it have been Ciampa? Should it have been Lee? Or is Finn the right call right now? It pains me to say that Finn's the right call. Mm. It doesn't pain me. I, I've been saying this since Finn came back. Like, No, I mean, it, it pains me to say it because it makes too much sense for the hottest guy in the company right now, Keith Lee, at least for the last month. Mm. He's just been on an absolute tear. Sure. And big old white meat baby face going up against your top heel and Adam Cole. But what do you do with Finn Balor after that? Right. Exactly. You know, it had to be Finn. Make, make it, it Finn, Finn the guy that everyone's got to beat. Uh, they protected Keith with the finish. He'll be just fine. And as he mentioned yeah. a couple weeks ago, whatever it was, when he was facing off with the entire Undisputed Era, he's like, I'm just trying to pick which one of your titles I'm going for. There's other titles he can go for. Monstars can go for the tag titles. He can go for the North American. Or he can just be out there being Keith Lee. And I ain't mad at that. Keith Lee will be NXT champion one day. I've, I firmly believe with that. with the uh, with how hard that gra that brass ring has been grabbed and all the opportunities he's been given in the last month. I'd have to say that's a pretty astute uh, guess right there, Nick. I'd, I'd say that yep. they're definitely they're they're liking what they're seeing from Mister Lee. Uh, so all right, so let's get to the other match that you were excited about talking about because Lord knows it was a, it's a tough one to talk about the main event or this one the one that started off with. Good Lord, Angel Garza. Hot fire. Angel Garza and Leo Rush, again, rematch for the Cruiserweight Championship. And somehow, they had an even more insane match than last time. My God, this fast, furious, hard-hitting, insane moves. Crazy shit. And at the end of it all, shockingly, Angel Garza throws the wing clipper on Leo Rush. And Leo Rush kicks out of the wing clipper. And Angel Garza, in a fit of peak and frustration grabs Leo in a submission version of the on the ground of his wing clipper. Leo's nearly doing the splits. His body's being bent like a paperclip. My God, he's folded in half. And he weakly kind of taps out. And Angel Garza is your new cruiserweight champion. The Rockets have been strapped to the Angel Garza. That's right. So once he's ripped off his pants for the first time, you know, Triple H could not help himself. Yes. Get a belt to could cover not, this. Could not oh, resist. you cannot even cover this with a belt. That's right. <laughs> it's a title, not a belt. Sorry. You cannot, <laughs> you cannot even cover this wonderful crotch package with this title. 
Um, do you think Leo's going to get another shot at it, or are we moving on? And if so, who's in line? I mean, they still got WWE markings all over this thing. Are we not officially transitioning it to the NXT Cruiserweight they, Championship? It felt pretty NXT Cruiserweight Championship to me with this. Like, they were made of sure. fear that it's NXT. They, just, they need to redo it. Like, well, they need to get a new belt. You're the master of, like, cycling belts. Come on. Get a new belt. Give us a new title. Yeah, Seriously. Exactly. This one looks like, it looks like crap. It really does. It looks like somebody's four-year-old drew it with a crayon and just, and, you know. It looks like it was yeah, printed right. with Silly Putty. Like, it, looks like, I mean, it, looks, it looks like a fruit roll-up, this thing. I think it's been said before about the, the, the red... Strawberry Jam Universal title as well, but this one is uh, it's it's the it is the worst title in WWE except for maybe the twenty four seven championship, which is a joke. No, it's a joke title. That's a so night and day difference from what the cruiserweight championship looks like. Yeah, but at least that's green and gold, and you can kind of get behind it for the for all. No, of that, I know yeah. I can't get anyway. it behind it for that. No, the cruise the the NXT, the twenty four seven championship is a is a joke. The cruiserweight championship is like bright purple. And ugly as sin, but it's not as bad as that one. It looks like someone took a Chuck E. Cheese coin and printed it large on the front of a belt 24-7. Fine. Fine. So, anyway. But, okay, Uh, let's get back to this. Angel Garza is your new cruiserweight champion. Leo Rush, do they continue is what what you were asking, right? Does he get one more more rematch? Does Leo get one more shot at getting it back? Or do we move on? And if so, who do we move on to? That's the question is I don't know how they are – building the cruiserweight division at this point. Like I'm, I'm kind of flummoxed as to who's in the division. Like who are the big players? I was loving this feud. I like the fact that this was played as angel Garza got in Leo Rush's head, uh, with his mind games and it cost Leo rush the match. I would like to see Leo rush going on a redemption arc at this point. Like you've just made me care about Leo rush a bit. Um, I, there was For a three weeks. <laughs> there was a couple of there was a couple of aspects of this that I I questioned a little bit. There was obviously a very Garza uh, favorable crowd because he had a lot of family in the audience, and he's gotten himself over like crazy uh, because he ended up proposing to his girlfriend uh, in the ring after the match. That's what kind of where I was getting to is that, uh, and it made me go. Yeah, that's it's fine to do that, but don't put it on TV. Keep it for YouTube, like because especially yeah. with, especially with how you've defined Angel Garza so far. Unless you're changing his character, which is you know kind of sleazy Lothario guy, uh, yeah. coming out and getting kisses from ladies in the yeah. audience and lipstick on his cheeks. But yeah, but his girlfriend's there and he's going to propose her in the middle of the ring after winning the cruiserweight championship. That makes him just like a wild baby face in my yeah. book. And he did kind of work babyface-ish in this ish in this match. Like he's was supposed to be kind of the heel, and Leo's kind of be the babyface. But it kind of got muddled because the crowd was for was completely for Garza and very much against Leo. Uh, so did I mean that's, I was a little bit confused at the end. Did Garza turn face? Did Leo, is Leo going to go heel? I wouldn't be mad at either of those things if that's our plan here. Um, Keep, to keep, be determined. Keep Garza as like kind of the charming Lothario who like, I'm off the market, ladies. I'm sorry. There is only one woman who gets this now. That's right. Hashtag Garza dog. Yes. <laughs> That's right. You know she is special because she can take all Does of Does he continue to do the same little tricks and uh, his his trade of his of his gimmick where he's coming in and Holding the hands and letting the ladies kiss him on the cheek and all of those kinds of things. That's what I'm or, saying. Is like, does he have to change I his gimmick? I think he ruined now? that by having him propose on TV. A little to bit. His, his, his girlfriend. Part of this feud I, does he was him like super facey his, now. That's what I'm saying. Part of this feud was him taking his pants off in front of Leo's wife. Like, 
part of his whole thing was him being kind of a slimy Pepe Le Pew scumbag. It's where the feud started. Right. The, right. right. And so that's why I'm like, okay, are we going somewhere else with Angel Garza now? Fine. I'm cool if they are. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Both these guys are, are massive talents. Um, I, I, Can we have Humberto Carrillo come back Andrade, down? Andrade, Andrade Humberto, all those guys need to be watching their taillights because Angel Garza is coming up quick. Yes. Um, yeah, so... Phrasing. I'm not hashtag phrasing. I, <laughs> hello. <laughs> I'm not saying that Vince only has the ability to contemplate one Latino superstar at a time. I'm just saying. So, uh, speaking of Latino superstars, Raul Mendoza had his match against Cameron Grimes this week and uh, got a measure of revenge because Kushida, also who has been having some issues with with Cameron Grimes, came out and messed with Cameron's hat, even put it on backwards and walked away with it. Um, Raul Mendoza gets a win. I'm always happy when Raul gets a win. Cameron Grimes looking to have a feud with Kushida, I guess, is what they're going forward with. Uh, is he too much of a small fish still for Kushida? Should, should Kushida be having bigger deal feuds? Or is that kind of the point that Kushida is helping elevate Cameron Grimes here? I think it's what we said last week. It's that Kushida coming back had that promo about love and his kid and his mom and his, I'm sorry, his wife and just family and love and super facey stuff. But it feels like it's the beginning of what might be a retirement tour of sorts. And no. on the way out, on the way out, he's putting all these dudes over. Maybe. No. I don't know. No, don't Kushida know. has decades ahead of him if he wants it. All right. Uh, but I can see him being in there in, I think what we were saying last week was more of like a mentor role. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah. maybe not like a Cassius Ono level mentor role where like Kushida still wins some matches. But right. I could definitely see him being in there as a guy who's, you know, kind of done it all. Um, except for WWE. Being in there and helping the other guys. So, so yeah, maybe this, this will be a way of getting us to, getting the people who don't know who Kushida is. Uh, helping them know who he is, but then also helping Cameron Grimes get over as well. That's what I'm hoping they're going to go. That's the best, the best case scenario. Yeah. Um, Nick, we're going to get to a bit of a controversial match now because yeah, this one's tough. This one, this one's a, was I must have been a tough pill to swallow for you because your boy Jackson Riker, uh, according to you, future WrestleMania main eventer Jackson Riker had a match against Travis, Travis, Travis F and Banks. From NXT UK, as who we who we love, who we do love as well. Dearly. We do love our Travis yeah. Banks, uh, Kiwi Kiwi Kiwi. Uh, but uh, he had a match against Travis Banks as a preview of Worlds Collide, and he lost to Travis Banks. Nick, I'm going to back off. What were your thoughts? What was the logic behind Riker losing after having a dominant performance in a tag match last week? This really didn't do favors for either guy in my opinion. I understand what they're doing for trying to build up Worlds Collide here, but it really didn't do either guy any favors. Uh, one, nobody at Full Sail really is going to know who Travis Banks is unless they're watching, uh, unless they've been watching the Indies for the last 10 years or unless they've been watching uh, NXT UK. Right. 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 So when they come in and they take on the big boy who the Forgotten Sons are on just the one of the biggest losing streaks of all time. Uh, oh, <laughs> Here, why are you going to hand Jackson Riker somebody who could, should be? I, I think the Forgotten Sons should be booked pretty much better than they have been in the tag team, and it looked like they were kind of going that direction when we had the tournament earlier this year. 
but then they've just they've I'm just flattened. I'll again. agree with you in that I'm definitely confused about where the Forgotten Sons stand and like yeah. what their intentions are with them. Are they an enhancement team? Are they just kind of meant to be mid carters? Like, what is your deal with them? And decisions like this back that up. Jackson Riker is booked as this world ender, or he looks like a world ender, and he's occasionally booked as like he's their the big scary guy member of the Forgotten Sons. But then he goes out to a, a you know a sudden kick from Travis Banks and a quick roll up, and it's like, wait, what? <laughs> I mean, he had busted him open. He was throwing him future, around like a rag doll, and future him up. WrestleMania main eventer. I mean, I was just. Listen, I wasn't butthurt about it. I was just confused. Right. Uh, we love Travis Banks. This is not the opponent he should have had to preview his his abilities uh, for Worlds Collide. See, whereas I think this was, I mean, Travis Banks is a made man now. He just beat Jackson Riker like he was billed as a buzzsaw, and he just beat a big dude like that with the buzzsaw kick, buzzsaw style kick. All right, now he's probably got some people's attention, and that may have been sure. the idea is going into Worlds Collide, hey, Remember Travis Banks? He's that dude that took out Jackson Riker. Maybe that's the idea. And Jackson will get his Maybe. Jackson will get his revenge at Worlds Collide. You know what I mean? Maybe. But now we're paying attention because that's how yeah. surprising. Had he had Riker beaten him, we'd be like, oh yeah, okay, no big deal. Right. Good point. So maybe that's yeah. the idea here. Is it is definitely a bigger deal that Banks beat Riker than if Riker would have been uh, beaten. Exactly. Banks. And, totally. And Riker did you know pop right back up and. It was like it was he kicked out right after three, so they did keep him looking relatively strong. Yeah. Next up, we had Dakota Kai and Mia Yim having their match, uh, a little grudge match from Dakota Kai taking out Mia Yim before TakeOver War Games. And uh, this was a nice little hard-hitting affair with uh, Mia Yim losing only because Dakota was doing that slimy heel stuff, took off the top turnbuckle and... That had Mia's face go right into it, and Mia lost the match as a result. But that was not oh, it was not over then, Nick. It was not done. It was a fun little match, but the fun really happened afterwards, where they fought into the crowd. Mia Yim not letting Dakota Kai go with this one. Fought into the crowd over to the tech area, and dear God, Mia Yim suplexed Dakota Kai off the top of the tech area onto a couple of tables, and it did not go well. Dakota Kai back her head came back came down on the edge of one of the tables, split her open eight staples later. Apparently she's okay. Was bleeding all over the floor, but uh, yeah, that was that looked nasty. That looked nasty. Was nasty. It was awesome. I dug it. I didn't like Dakota Kai actually really getting hurt, but that's what I want to see between these two ladies. Uh, that's what I want to see Mia Yim doing. She should be out there not accepting losses. And I'll just whoop an ass. Uh, this felt personal. This was and it, as it should have been. Yep. Dakota Kai took out Mia Yim before uh, War Games. We know that now. And after the heel turn and everything. So she finally got her chance to whoop Dakota Kai's ass. And boy, did she. And it was fantastic. I, I loved every minute of it. Yeah. Same here. Uh, I would love to see more of this. It looks like it will continue. I don't think that was the end. I think that Dakota will come back looking for revenge on Mia now that Mia's got revenge on Dakota. Keep the cycle going. Loving it, loving it. Uh, there were some people saying the table spot was too dangerous. Um, and there's, I mean, anytime you do a spot like this, it's dangerous. There's always the, you know, there's always a possibility of something going wrong. So yeah. it ain't ballet. And it could have been way worse. This was uh, This was executed, I thought, as... 
I mean, could Mia have have aimed it a little bit better? Sure, but you know, it's not for us to to handicap that because that's just a tough spot to pull off. So, yeah. I'm not going to do that. No. Yeah. Luckily, luckily Dakota seems to be okay all things considered. Yep. Uh we also had Breezango coming out to a very strange intro where they were doctors or something. They had a match with the Singh brothers who are no longer hanging out with Jinder Mahal much to the the benefit of their careers. And uh, the the Bollywood Young Bucks is what I've done. The them. Bollywood Bucks, and uh, yeah. this was—I don't know. What did you think about this match, Nick? I, I was of two minds of it. I was not expecting much and enjoyed the hell out of it. All right, and especially because I'm a huge Fandango Mark. Sorry, <clears throat> excuse me, Fandango. Thank you. Pronounce it right. Um, just seeing him murder both of them with just Falcon Arrow after Falcon Arrow after Falcon Arrow at the end, over the ropes, er- everywhere. Fandango looked like a monster at the end of this match. As far as the entrance goes, I always get a good chuckle just <laughs> out of their fun, you know, kitschy ent- entrances that they do. Um, I was like, is this Grey's Anatomy or what are we watching? Oh, no, it's Brizongo. Okay, cool. Um, look, I... This, on paper, most people would just kind of go, oh, God, okay, just roll their eyes and be like, fine. <laughs> it was really good. These guys were all over the place. Even the Singh brothers, the Bollywood Bucks, looked fantastic. Yeah, they can really go. Like They, just, they didn't have a chance yeah. to do that a lot when they were getting murdered by Randy Orton in that feud with Jinder, with, uh, but they can really go. They can actually wrestle. It was actually it was also interesting to see Brizango be uh, – like those two guys were – they were going at them. Like, this was not just a happy, fun little match. This was like they were trying to kill those Bollywood boys. And I was I was intrigued by that. I'm like, okay, are we trying to add a serious aspect to Brizango or trying to make them more feel like more legit uh, because the tag division is so slim right now? And we need to have, we need to, like, even though they have kind of a goofy entrance and a goofy gimmick, we need to feel like they can be serious in the ring. Is that the intention here? So that was uh, that was something that I was just thinking of as I was watching this. Like an exam- like to me, um, one thing that is a bit of a trope with NXT is everyone's a little bit edgy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like no one's just out and out cartoon goofy like you have on main roster. Like even if you're a little bit silly, you have that edge to you. You know, and I think they're kind of going that way with Breezango a little mm. bit. Okay. So I'm not mad at. I'm not mad at. I would love to see uh, Fandango have a legit, of course, but of course I would. Uh, I would love to see him have a legit singles run. Uh, I don't know what Tyler Breeze is up to these days. He's kind of hit or miss. Coming back to NXT was awesome and then faded away. Well, both of them, it's kind of like, where has Breezango really been? And maybe this is their way of getting them back on our radar and they have some plans for them. I kind of hope so. Yeah. I, lo- I, I, I love both so. those dudes. So uh, anything don't bring they can him do down to bring here him back and do is, is fantastic. Uh, finally, Bianca Belair and Caden Cross. Uh, I like seeing more time from Caden Cross on TV. That's a good sign. I think she could be another the, one of their next breakout stars if uh, if she's you know tightens everything up a little bit. Um, what are, what do you think their intentions are with Belair? Where are they going with her? This is tough because um, it's a really packed division right now. I think they've moved on. Oh, but if they, if if so, why is she having matches where she's like Why exhibition is she having an exhibition match with Caden Cross? All the other girls that were that were going after Shayna are still up there going after Shayna until Rhea Ripley shows up, and then Bianca is. All the other girls are still up there. May I may I postulate a, a theory? You're my guest. 
Okay, so you're you asked why is she having this exhibition match with Caden Cross? This is still developmental. As much as they say it's a third brand, it is still developmental. And can it be any more the, though? Because they're live on TV. Yes, on the network? it can. In the same way that main roster WWE is also developmental for new talent that's coming in for main roster. You still have to learn the ropes of how to work main roster. So if you have someone like Caden Cross who's been at the PC for a few years now and you're trying to get her up on TV and you're trying to get someone like uh, Bianca Belair to remain on TV, then one of the things you can do is have Belair, who's an established star, have a match with Caden Cross. It puts Caden Cross on people's radar. It keeps Bianca Belair in people's minds. It helps Caden Cross work with someone who's higher up on the card to figure out how it works in, like how the the matches work in NXT. Get some TV time. You can utilize both people. Um, Bianca Belair is going to still be on that higher level. Caden's going to be in that lower level. It's establishing new people. It's keeping the people that are there uh, in in our minds. I think that it's actually a useful tactic for them to have this, um, where you can have someone who's more at this point in Bianca, a bit more of a veteran might be too too extravagant of a word to use, but someone who's been around a little bit longer, uh, kind of helping elevate someone who's new, you know, bringing up bringing up some more talent. So, I think that's that's the mentality here: is we're not really doing anything else with Bianca. Let's utilize her position. We've already made her be this high. Let's utilize that position to bring up somebody else. On house shows, yes. On the road tour, yes. On, on a two-hour team- NXT? Listen, you're going from Angel Garza and Leo Rush at the top of the show to the triple threat that we had as the main event. And in the middle, there were some really good mid-card things happening, but this felt like it was a training match. But this is but Even this though is we love both you- those girls, right? But you talk, you talk about house shows and, and you know uh, the tour shows and everything. The tour shows, they will bring along some people that aren't really on TV because they're trying to get them ready for TV. There's different strata going on here. So, yeah, I, you know, having someone on like, okay, hey, this week you're going to be on TV. Oh, God, okay, I better be ready for that. I've got to make sure that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm getting the experience uh, so that I can be on TV. Then I'm on TV. I'm getting the experience from being on TV getting the experience from the, the house show ter- uh, circuit. So you're, you're getting all of these weapons in your arsenal from trying these things out as someone who's new. Yeah. Uh, and working with someone like Bianca Belair on TV is giving Caden a little bit of experience with being on TV, not just house shows. Here's the thing I'll grant you to kind of wrap this up here is that I feel like Caden Cross could actually be a main event big deal one day. I, I can't say the same thing about a Vanessa Bourne, about an Aaliyah, about some of the other uh, lower women down there that are also getting TV time from time to time. So seeing Caden Cross get a match with Bianca Belair makes her feel like a big deal, introduces her to people that may have forgotten about her. Um, you know, standout performances in the Mae Young Classics, all kinds of good. Go look up Caden Cross if you weren't aware of who she was. She's fantastic. So, oh, boy. Well, that's what I kind of want to think they're doing with Zia Lee, too, is, you know, it's just on a higher level. She's she's further along. So... Uh, Ugh. That's the fun thing about doing so live next, stream is you get some action in the chat every now and then. Oh, look, we have a, a troll. Yep. Uh, all right, well, Mr. Nick, that is it for NXT. Without any further ado, let's go and head on over to the main roster and talk about Friday Night SmackDown. Well... 
Friday Night SmackDown uh, was a bit of a mixed bag for me. I, I, I'm not sure. Like we're we're still less than 24 hours removed from that show, um, but I'm still kind of processing what was going on, knowing that we've got a, a pay per view, one of my favorite pay per views of the year, less than 24 hours from now. So I'm I'm just I'm trying to understand. Uh, what was going on with the show that happened last night and what's going to happen on Sunday night because I want to be excited about TLC. Right. But I'm not excited about it yet. They're not making it easy for you. Uh, Yeah, I mean, okay, so I've got this. I've got us talking about the uh, the whole Roman Reigns, Corbin, Dolph, New Day thing first because this was an ongoing angle. You had Baron Corbin and Dolph Ziggler coming out at the top of the show laughing about how they covered Roman Reigns in dog food last week because he's the big dog. Get it? And uh, saying, oh, yeah, well, we have all of the entrances covered tonight, so there's no way Roman Reigns is getting in this arena tonight. Ha, 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 ha. Outcome New Day, specifically Xavier and Big E, because, sorry, not Xavier, specifically Kofi and Big E, because Xavier's on the sidelines. And uh, they say, I don't like what you're saying about Roman Reigns. You're kind of a douche. Uh, and, uh, long story short, we end up with Kofi versus Baron Corbin in the main event of the evening. Fast forward to that match. Uh, Kofi and Baron go at it for a little bit before some shenaniganry and, uh, Dolph gets involved. Everything falls apart. Biggie gets involved and Biggie hops in the ring, grabs a mic after the DQ and says, no, 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 no. It ain't ending there. You want to fight? Let's fight. Let's have a tag match. Kofi and Biggie versus Dolph. And Baron Corbin. Uh, all right, so then we get we move on to that match, and then uh, at the end of that, oh, so what is it? The revival come out. There's a whole kerfuffle. Roman Reigns ends up coming out to clean up the whole mess. Ends up choke slamming Dolph Ziggler off the top of a ladder onto one of the tables, on the announce tables, and uh, we go home with Baron Corbin looking scared on the ramp. Dolph Ziggler dead on the announce tables, and Roman Reigns, the big dog, posing up. Uh, having gotten a modicum of revenge for last week. We also had set up the fact that we're having Revival and New Day having a tag match at the show as well a little bit. So there was some build for TLC in all of this, Nick. Yes. Um, to, to counter your point, there was some build here. But is this the kind of build that's going to make us go home to a pay-per-view excited? Were you like, I can't wait to see this Roman Reigns-Baron Corbin match now? I can't wait to see this New Day Revival match now. Like, was that how you felt going home here, or did they miss the mark? Mm, I think where my head was at was people are going to end up getting thrown through tables and ladders, and I'm okay with that, whatever the circumstances might be. So, right. So you're happy with that? Because, okay, another question. Uh, second week in a row that we've had somebody handcuffed and strung up on the uh, turnbuckles. Last week it was Roman. He got dog-fooded. This week uh, they had Kofi at the end of the match strung up there. It's what, uh, it's what made Roman come out finally. Um, what did you feel about the visual of that? Uh, we okay? This is just wrestling? Or was that a little bit awkward? I mean, we did it last week to set the precedent with Roman. I'm not going to go down that social justice. Okay rabbit hole just, right but, good. i mean i'm just i'm topics that were on twitter that i put as a question in our yeah notes. i mean <laughs> if you want to brush it aside i'm okay with it too yeah i i'm not i'm not brushing it aside but i don't think it was a thing like you were trying like twitter's trying to make it a thing 
So at the same time, it's it was fine. And what it was was the trigger point to bring out the big dog. It just full super Roman. We we got right. we got full full fledged super Roman. I wonder if that has any in anything the that's indicative for TLC as a result. Uh, yeah, this whole thing was, very, it was kind of convoluted to have New Day and Corbin and Ziggler all, uh, you know, involved with a couple different feuds. But I don't know. I thought at the end of the day, it 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 worked fine. I'm not any more excited for the TLC matches than I was prior. It's TLC. People go through tables, ladders, and chairs. Oh my. Yeah. Uh, we also had Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Uh, have a match with Fire and Desire. Bliss and Cross were in the gorilla position talking about the match. Fire and Desire in the ring. Fire and Desire run to the back, attack them, and drag them out to the ring. We have a fairly quick match. Nikki Cross pins Sonya Deville. Um, did this have any relevance to anything, Nick? Like, do we think we're getting a, an ongoing feud with these four? Uh, and if so, where does this end up? Or is this just a way to fill some time? No, this was a complete waste of time. To be completely honest, as it was before, I mean, at least last week you were getting some kind of fire out of Mandy Rose, and it looked like she was going to beat the shit out of Alexa Bliss. And frankly, she did. She beat the hell out of Alexa Bliss. And then somehow along the way, ended up getting one over on Mandy Rose, and here we go again. We're we're back to yeah. just kind of making mockery, making a mockery out of Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. They're never going to amount to anything if you don't at least get them some kind of victory. You don't over, you don't think that they've amounted to anything? I mean, they're having this feud on TV with Bliss and Cross. That's that's not nothing. I mean, it was a short match. I'm playing a bit of devil's advocate eh. here. Like it's not nothing. You know, they are getting some time. I actually, I'm entertained by these four women working together. I thought the the short match they had was fairly entertaining. I thought it was uh, a bit insulting they gave them so little time. I would have liked more time. I would like more time on this. I want more stakes. I want more time on this. I guess that's where I'm kind of coming from. I want a reason to care. That's exactly. Right. So Give me more. Give me more of this, not just a quick little five-minute match. I I even like the conceit of them attacking them in Gorilla. Like, made me pay attention and sit up. Uh, speaking of making me sit up and pay attention, Heavy Machinery had a match with Cesaro and Nakamura, which uh, that's those are words I never thought I'd say two years ago. That's a, that's a wild combination. Uh, started off with Heavy Machinery in the back, trying to give a Christmas present to Sami Zayn. Sami was their secret Santa because, you know, we do secret Santa in WWE, apparently. And um, this was, a, I, I thought this was hilarious. Sami opens up the package. And it's uh, it's a Christmas ham, and of course he's offended because he's a vegetarian, and it's right. flesh of a of a living being goes off on it. They start getting uh, the heavy machinery starts getting mad at Sammy. Sammy starts getting mad at them. Cesaro and Shinsuke show up. There's a nice little confrontation, and uh, it ends with the the heels walking off and Cesaro taking the ham like oh, I'm not going to let this ham go to waste, right. and then throwing it on the ground. At which point Otis starts shaking and turns bright red. <laughs> as uh, as as I did too, because I was suddenly very hungry for ham. Right. Uh, it was a funny little segment. I mean, just you know, fluff, nothing typical WWE backstage. But I I was entertained by it. And then the match we had was really entertaining. Like very like you know, cut and dry WWE to the core match. But goddamn, if I wasn't entertained by this match, like uh, you know, Cesaro doing a lot of work putting over heavy machinery. Nakamura even putting over Otis quite a bit, getting ragdolled by him a bunch. 
uh, Tucker looking great. Otis having a lot of like being very entertaining to the crowd. Tucker and Otis out there to entertain the crowd. Cesaro and Nakamura out there to be the heels and spoil the fun. And at the end, you had Nakamura deliver a really nice looking Kinshasa to, to Tucker and put him down for the one, two, three. They're ever, like if you're gonna have a WWE match, to me, in my opinion, this was how this was basically how you do it. This was died in the wool WWE match, but it's also why WWE matches have been successful for decades. Is the damn if you're in the live crowd, you were entertained by this match. You were absolutely entertained by this match. So yeah, I, I don't know. Is was this an example of how to make something out of nothing? Because this is nothing. Let's let's be clear. Yeah, there's um, nothing to this. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, what are we really hoping for here? Um, I love. I, there's a lot of people that didn't like the stuff behind the scenes or behind behind the curtain with the ham. I laughed. Like, how dare you do that to a Christmas ham? You know, I, that was the kind of stuff. That, <laughs> I, 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 I was there. I, you got I, me. I chuckle I was, at I that. I got the right? heel heat on that. Yeah. yeah it's Cesaro, yeah. especially, just kind of just, he, he like, he's what, I'm going to go, they're vegan assholes, but I'm going to eat the hell out of this ham. Nah. And just smashes no. it. And <laughs> it could have put a big old stomp on it. That would have, like, really just sealed the deal for me. Uh, just oh, just, just do an elbow drop or something on the ham. You just, I mean, if you're like going to go there, okay, go all seen, the way. If you haven't seen back in the Indies, uh, with Cesaro attacking the stairs. There's one time he was getting into the ring and he slips on the stairs and he starts attacking the stairs. Back the- Do that with the ham. That would have been brilliant. Yep, absolutely. Uh, anyway, no, this was, this was, honestly, this was my match of the night. Like, I, I was so wildly entertained by this and there was just nothing to it. Like, I should, everything, all of my, my marquee sensibilities should have made me hate this match. And man, there's no stakes. Man, there's nothing to it. Uh, God damn it. I was just too entertained yeah. by it. It wasn't steak. It was I ham. It. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Here's the thing I will say. Um, oh, my God. You guys know how the I feel. dad joke. You guys know how I feel about singles wrestlers. For me. What in the world? I, I know I'm going to preface this by saying I know Braun Strowman's injured. He was lined up to go get the Intercontinental off of Shinsuke Nakamura. I know. But not cleared. Uh, why is the Intercontinental champion getting into a pseudo comedy tag team match with heavy machinery? Can you not find somebody else? Could it not I, have been Sami Zayn himself? I should be mad about that, but it was so fun. I didn't care, Nick. <sighs> I loved. Uh, I love Otis getting kicked in the belly and him just like uh, no selling. Just, he got, it was well, no Jared selling. Jared said it last night. Kicked. He's Otis singing up. Yes. <laughs> 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 He just starts hulking up when he when he gets kicked in the stuff. I think it's he's brilliant. beefing up. All that steak is protecting him. And I don't care what anybody uh, says. Otis Dozovich in a midriff cutoff T-shirt is life. It it is. <laughs> it makes me happy. It just makes me <laughs> smile. It is. It's everything. I oh. you guys. I have been marking out about heavy machinery for the last two years since they were in NXT and they they first appeared. I think they're fantastic. They're going to go a long way. The faciest of faces. Uh, they well, they've got so already, much potential. They've already got a long way. Yeah. I mean, they're here's the thing: they're the bushwhackers. If the bushwhackers like could wrestle a modern crazy style, like I honestly, I'll go far, so far as to say they're they're actually way more athletic than the bushwhackers. And the bushwhackers were a lot of fun, and they're good technical guys. Like, don't no disrespect to the bushwhackers; those guys were great technical wrestlers before they became a comedy, you know, gimmick in WWE. Yeah. Otis and Tucker are next level in terms of athleticism and ability. Uh, and they, they got trained real good by the PC. Yep. So, but 
they're an, another comedy gimmick like that. They're just really, really good at their jobs. Otis, most people forget, was uh, NCAA champ for the state of all state Wisconsin. Something for amateur Tucker. Tucker's no joke wrestler. either, as I recall. Tucker was also big time NCAA D one uh, amateur wrestling. Yep. So yeah, there you go. Uh, there's a huge pedigree of wrestling in those dudes. It's but I'm also really enjoying all the comedy stuff they're doing. So I don't know where I, I balance that out. There's got to be a point where they get some titles, and I, to legitimize it, because that until they do that, they're going to stay in this stigma that they're in comedy jobbers. And it's a lot of fun to watch, but we saw we've seen. I mean, you you consider it a stigma, but that's you know, if you're the WWE, Vince, for example, would consider that an honorable position. Like that's these are my go-to comedy guys, right? Them, um, I was about to say private, private party, the Street Profits. Uh, you know, these are the guys he goes to. If you want a comedy segment, all right, I'm gonna go to these guys. They're gonna go out there. They're gonna make the crowd happy. But the problem is, it's a it can be a fickle crowd. You have a you have another tag match with Gable and Ali come out against the revival and the crowds. And I don't know why, because this was a this was so much awesome to watch. It was mad. I mean, to be to be clear, by the end of this match, the crowd was chanting, This is awesome. But at the start of this match, the crowd did not care. Maybe it was because of where it was in the show. I'm not sure. But it was definitely a bit of a a, a snoozy crowd at the beginning. Uh, maybe they just were so horrified by them calling Chad Gable shorty G that they couldn't really react to it. I don't know. But but also Ali's a hometown boy. Oh, that's this right. is hometown. That's he's, right. he's up to the street. Uh so which of course meant he lost. You know, he had to lose. Well, it's the revival. They the got pin. a title match on Sunday. They're not this gonna... is kind of what is okay. No, this is <laughs> you're you're exactly right, Nick. And this is where I was going with this. In this day and age, when you like it's the, it's a tried and true WWE trope. Have the hometown person lose. In this case, have them lose so that the the team of these two teams only one has a title match on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, get that team the heat by beating the hometown boy. Does that still work, do, or do people just shut down nowadays? If you're a hometown crowd and you just want to be entertained, and this heel team that's got a match on Sunday beats your hometown boy, are you now more excited to watch the show on Sunday because of that? Or are you just going to shut down for the rest of the show? Well, oh, screw you, Vince, and shut down. No. You know what I mean? Is that is that booking logic no longer applicable? I mean, I think it's us super marks that do podcasts that really understand all of that dynamic that you just, but I'm did, saying you just like, laid so, out. So, no, it's a subconscious thing, though. That's what I'm saying is like, does the audience that's not thinking about all these other aspects, that's just there to, have, to watch the show and have fun, if you're trying to be – like if – WWE is there to manipulate the crowd to do something, right? Which is the idea behind these storylines initially is, is feed off of emotions to create business, right? I'm going to make these people mad at this guy, this heel over here, so that people want to see him get his ass kicked at the pay-per-view on Sunday, and they're willing to pay me 50 bucks to watch this guy get his ass kicked. That's the logic. Right. We're going to have the hometown boy, Ali, get pinned by the revival so people here want to pay $9,995 for the WWE Network to watch the revival lose on sunday if that's still the logic that we have going on right right is that logic still effective and that has nothing to do with whether what you or i think um is that working on this crowd or is what is is that making the crowd on this evening at this show care less because they're now aware that this is all scripted and it's being done 
if it's not conscious like that they know that it's being done to manipulate them, they still feel like, oh, well, okay, you didn't want to give us that win because you didn't want us to feel good. Like they still feel they still know that it's scripted. So they know that that was a decision, not that the revival are beating their boy, even though, you know, if they get really caught up in it, then that's supposed to be what they're supposed to be feeling. But that was a decision by WWE to have their hometown boy lose. How many people think so? Many, is it shutting them up? How many people do you think came to that show specifically last night to watch either Chad Gable or Ali? But that's kind of my I guess point, that's a though. Very isn't it? small number. Isn't that? But that's kind of my point, though. This is a this is a match that they're just going to kind of have a watch at a surface level. They're not going to deeply invest in. So if you're if that's something that's just kind of flowing past them like a river, they're not going to internalize it the same way like a Roman Reigns match where they're going to get more invested in it, right? So it's more easy for them to shut down and not care about it because they already care about it less. Yeah. No, I. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just don't, I don't okay. I don't think all of the stuff that you were saying about the logic around it to get the heat onto the revival I don't think anybody was there to see them in order to get that heat onto the revival is it probably more you know it it, it probably worked better on TV than it did for the, the I'm going to do air quotes and say hometown crowd uh, for them beating Ali and Chad Gable but they've got a title match on Sunday they need they need all the wins they can get it's the revival as well. You're not going to have Agreed. Chad Gable and Ali roll in as two singles guys forming an ad hoc tag team beating the revival of all teams. So they're going to have a fantastic match with the New Day tomorrow night. It, it's going to be awesome. TLC match. Can't wait. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> they're going to beat the absolute hell out of each other. I What happened on Friday night, I've already forgotten about, but it was very enjoyable to watch. <laughs> Those four guys well, go at much- each other. I'm very much looking forward to New Day and Revival as well. That's in a in a ladder match, Nick. In a ladder match. All right. Uh, we also had Bailey backstage getting interviewed. She had some strong words for Lacey Evans. Uh, they may have a, a match on Sunday. We don't know. It has not been officially announced yet, uh, but it has been speculated. Uh, she gets interrupted by Elias and Dana Brooke, who are off having a little tete-a-tete over on the side. Elias sings a song insulting Bailey. Uh, Bailey stands there and does nothing, but as Dana laughs, she says, oh, you think it's so funny? Why don't we go have a match? Challenge just kind accepted. Of like, yeah, and then just kind of stares at Elias and goes, it's a stupid song. <laughs> stupid song. Um, and she goes out and has a, a nice little match with Dana Brooke, ends up beating her, of course, and that is that. What? <sighs> I don't have a lot to say about this, Nick. It just kind of was. Yep. But the song was amazing. Again, I'll say that I really enjoyed that song was song was fine. But the problem was Bailey's reaction to it. Uh, she just kind of like moped about it. Right. And again, her heel character just doesn't have any spark to it whatsoever. She's a wet rag. And that's not engaging as a character. Uh, had she slapped Elias or broken his guitar or done something vicious or violent to get back at him for this song, aside from being like, well, I'm going to beat up your little groupie over here. You know, and yeah. even in that match, like, we, uh, you know, we've been comparing, like, Dakota Kai, right? That was the one that when Dakota turned heel, you said, I'm worried that she's going to be an ineffectual uh, heel just like Bailey is. And we, she was not. She was actually a very effective heel because she's vicious. She seems like she's serious about stuff. Bailey doesn't seem that way. She's got no spark. She's got no fire. And this just underlined that. Yep. Right? Yep. Am I crazy? Nope. I just don't okay. have that much to say about it either. I, lo- I love seeing Dana Brooke have a match with the champion. 
Let's get that right. You just saw Dana right. Brooke. Regardless of the, it was a good five minute little match. It was what it was. We have we we're seeing more and more. Dana Brooks got some activity on social media. Let's not talk about what it is. It's irrelevant, really. But there's she's got some some fire. She's got some attention. Put her on TV. Put her in a match with a champion. Okay. Yeah. No. Obviously, they're they're Dana Brooke has has done her time. Has gotten back over with management. So good for her. Yeah. Uh, she's you know she's hot right now. That's awesome. Glad to see that. But stop making Bailey look like an idiot. Just ah, crazy. Well, finally, Nick, we got to talk about my favorite stuff on SmackDown right now. Uh, the stuff I think is the most engaging and something that I was not ready for them to go where they went with it, frankly. The Miz had an interview in his beautiful uh, L.A. house way out in Ca- uh, Calabasas. Is that where he is? Uh, they moved out there, huge, yeah. Huge-ass $6 million house in Calabasas. Mm. Um, and uh, he was talking about his relationship with Daniel Bryan, why he's kind of stepping up. Uh, with the fiend, et cetera, et cetera, and for the most part, it was fairly straightforward. With some really, what I thought was really nice character work, where he said, "Look, Daniel Bryan and I don't see eye to eye. We don't like each other very much, but I respect him, et cetera, et cetera." Uh, Bray Wyatt freaked me out when he came from my family. I can't stop thinking about that picture of him in the, you know, with him in the picture with my family. Like it's, I've got to take him out because he's messing with my family. You don't do that. In the middle of the interview, um, you hear Maurice start calling for Miz. He runs over to her, breaks the interview, goes over, and they're looking at the baby monitor, and the fiend starts popping up on the baby monitor and looks like little, uh, what, Sky? Monroe what, Sky. Monroe Sky is in the crib with all of the uh, the puppet animals from the uh, Firefly Funhouse. So they run upstairs. There's a red light coming from her room. But luckily, there's also a camera crew in there, so we get to see everything inside the room. It's handy to have those. Uh, as they run it. It's very handy yeah. to have a camera crew in there the entire time. There, ah! there was also discussion last night about how Miz shoved Maurice into the room first. And I'm like, guys, it, it's Hollywood. It's called the point person in a shot. Yeah, Miz mm-hmm. basically just pulls the thing open. Maurice runs through, and they're like, he shoved her in. I'm like, no, it just guided her in so that when the camera flips to the other angle, the other perspective, Maurice is front frame, right? Yes. So all he's not shoving his wife into danger. No, that's, he's that's not he's, shoving his wife. That into was the when fire. he was a heel. <laughs> when he was a heel, he's not a heel. He's not doing that anymore. <laughs> Hollywood. Uh, but we get into the room. And there's little Monroe Sky in the crib with just this creepy little doll with a fiend face on it, which was, by the way, really well done. It was creepy as hell, that doll. I also have a theory about and, this, by the way. And props props to Monroe Sky. She got her daddy's jeans because that kid was actually, what, two years old? She was acting her ass off. She was crying. She was pointing at the doll. She was like, what is that? That was like Maurice slapped it out of his hands. It. Get that out of here. Just this was all so well done, in my opinion. And like, and the kid followed, like, she followed the toy, it went down the ground, and she was looking at the ground, like, oh, I don't like it. Like, that kid was on point. I was very impressed. But anyway, so uh, <laughs> that aside, I have a theory about the doll. All right. Well, uh, let me wrap this up. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, that ends, ends with them leaving the room. Uh, they're very disturbed. Bray Wyatt has a Firefly Funhouse segment where he says, hey, we're going to play with Miz on uh, this weekend. Um, he had a couple other like nice little tidbits. I'm going to see if I have them written down here. Um, where he's, oh, He said Daniel Bryan is still with him, I think referring to The Fiend. Interesting. Um, 
He was saying that uh, that Miz Miz's care for Daniel Bryan left him exposed. Uh, he says, you know, snitches get stitches, this kind of stuff. So really interesting little detail works with this Firefly Funhouse. I was completely engaged, Nick. Yeah. I, they the character work that the 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 sense of history between Miz and Daniel Bryan, including even showing the clip from the old uh, Talking Smack episode. The feeling of history, the feeling of Miz's real life, like blurring the kayfabe in reality. Uh, all of the little details that Bray Wyatt threw into his promo. Mwah! Mwah! Details! Loved it all. Loved it all. Yeah. Please, what is it? would you speculate on what you think is happening? And, and I cannot take all the credit for this. Uh, Indy Gal in the chat said it before I could type it out. Uh, not today in the chat, but in our ch- live chat for SmackDown last night. Uh, I think that's Daniel Bryan's hair on the doll. Oh! Tell me oh, that doesn't mess you up. Oh! 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 Did you just get the oh, chili willies too? I, oh, I got two. I got two in a row. I got two in a row. Damn. Oh, that's... Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, you know... <laughs> I'll, I'll be damned if WWE doesn't sometimes do this, where they give you only so much to work with, and then they're like, and, and I know it's just because they're genuinely not putting that much thought into it, and we sit here on the sidelines, and we fill in all the blanks, and they know we do that, and they just let us. I'm like, oh, yeah, you guys fill in the, fill in the blanks. And then they kind of pick up on some of that sometimes and run with it. For example, how they've now picked up on this whole, you know, when Bray... Gets his hand, the fiend gets his hands on people, he changes them somehow, right? They've now incorporated that into the storyline a bit, where both Seth and Finn, they kind of hint that, you know, when Bray gets his hands on you, he brings out the dark side. Uh, and that, you know, that just kind of came out organically. This is the kind of stuff that, like, if they hint at it enough and they never really define it, we can have this in our own little mental kayfabe. Right. And I'm sorry, but from now on, that doll's hair will be Daniel Bryan's hair that, that the fiend ripped out. Because that is, that's oh. a good horse shit right there. Yeah, it is. That is so, that is. That's good that's shit. Good shit. <laughs> that's good shit. Ooh. Woo. Oh. All right. Well, with Lo- that, I'm yeah. going to let my gooseys rest, Nick. Uh, my goodness. I'm loving, I'm loving the fiend, Ms. Daniel Bryan stuff. Loving it. But Nick, there is a lot more. To love because we have to give our TLC pickums. Well, we're going to do this fast because surprise, surprise, we're running behind. Uh, TLC is likely going to kick off on the pre-show with Alistair Black and Buddy Murphy. Unfortunately, and it <laughs> oh, makes God. my insides boil to have to say that. Yeah. Uh, who you got? Oh, geez. I hadn't even thought about this. I'm going to say uh, Alistair Black. Got to be Alistair Black. Otherwise, what the hell's he been doing sitting in a room for six months? Um, Maybe he has to lose here to, you know, finally get some competition, and then this continues because he finally finds a guy who can stand up to him. I don't know. I'm still, I'm still picking Alistair Black. <laughs> Viking Raiders versus... It's an open challenge for the Raw Tag Team Championships. Uh, who do you have? Is are Viking Raiders going to retain no matter who it is? Um, yes, I'll say that. All right. Um, I mm, here's 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 a here's a thing, Nick. It's an open challenge. We've had the Viking Raiders be very dominant recently. What if? Because there's someone I notice who doesn't have a match on the show. What if? 
AOP comes out and wins the tag titles. I'd be down with that. I'd be I'd take that point loss in a heartbeat. Okay. I am going to go out on a limb here and say the Viking Raiders do not retain. Uh, well, you know what? No. Mm, this is tough. I'm not ready for them to I'm have still, a match yet. They just turned. I'm still gun shy. He just I'm still turned. gun shy from Survivor Series. I'm still gun shy <laughs> from that. It's left an impression uh, on you. But no, it no, has. it's it's I'm not like, a major pay per view. I've had my moment. We've got to wait till at least WrestleMania for me to win anything again. You're gonna be fine. Yeah, we'll see. All right, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say AOP comes out and wins this. Right. And and frankly, when it's OC, they come out and they lose. I'm gonna I'm gonna kill myself. I've changed. Uh, him. He has been changed. <laughs> I've <laughs> I've been tainted. Yeah, you know, you're like the fiend of Pickums. Uh, um, who do you think is answering this call? Oh, uh, I think it's gonna be AOP. You think AOP is coming out, and you're still saying that Viking Raiders are going to retain? Yes. You're a strange, strange man. Uh, New Day versus the Revival in a ladder match for the SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Do the New Day retain, or does Revival pick them back up? I mean, are we just ping-ponging the championships around now with the with the that's, tag team? That's my question. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it makes more sense for New Day to retain here, but the Revival are the Revival... And I got to pick the revival. I think the revival are going to win here in a. So you're saying yes, in a they stipulation ping, ping ladder match type of event. It's probably going to be Kofi Kingston doing some kind of crazy high spot off of a ladder. But I mean, I I always err on the side of the revival, man. I I just I think they're you're, they're your boys, they're my boys. They're one of the best in the world, easily. Yeah. So. Uh, Rusev. Versus Bobby Lashley in a tables match that all of us cannot wait for. Yeah. Can't wait for this match. We've been building up to this for months, and we are all so excited to see this match happen. Hopefully, Lana will get a preview, a promo before this, uh, or she could just like be on commentary for this match. Maybe that would be awesome. I'd be so excited for that. Nick, just kill me right now. Yeah, uh, just kill me. Uh, Rusev's uh, Ru- Duh. Rus- Rusev. Okay, you're saying Rusev. Don't care is an option, I guess. Uh, I am actually, mm, see, here's, this is a tough one for me because I think this, this feud is going to continue much to all of our chagrin. I feel Rusev has gotten the uh, upper hand up until now. And I feel like Lashley will actually take this one because it's just a matter of putting a guy through a table. You're not beating him. He's putting him through a table. So I think that it will be, uh, Lashley picking this up so that this feud can continue and, uh, make us suffer all the way into the new decade please god charlotte (laughs) charlotte and becky versus the kabuki warriors here's an interesting one do charlotte and becky pick up the tag team championships the women's tag team championships from the kabuki warriors at this point if they do they drop them right back to them on monday night yeah i mean wow you render you render the kabuki warriors useless without those titles right now and they just got a song they just really hit their stride in their gimmick you've got oscar doing the mist all kinds of do Charlotte and Becky win here? Are they ever gonna like this? Feels so out of place, but I'm not mad at it. I'll watch these four girls in a in a TLC match. Are this it a TLC match? Is there a stipulation with this one? It is a is a TLC. It match. is a full yes. TLC match. Okay. Yes, it is. So yeah, give me these four ladies beating the hell out of each other with table ladders and chairs. I'm I'm all in. But I feel like it would be a disservice to take them off the Kabuki Warriors at this point. But on the other side, I'm going. Charlotte and Becky want the checkbox on their resume of getting yeah. the tag titles, and I just I don't know what to do. Yeah, that's tough, man. It's tough. This is, this is a really tough one. I think it's going to be 
if not the match of the night, then certainly one of them. I'm looking forward to these four women being given all these implements and going nuts with them. I mean, my God. I've, I've, I said last week I think it should main event. And I, we're uh, going to make it a prop bet, too. We're, 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 it's, it's right there at the bottom. Know, we got this. Don't worry. It's coming. Uh, the question is, is do you think WWE is just going to go with FU, Charlotte gets strapped, or are we going to get uh, the Kabuki Wars actually pick up a, a major victory here? Um, I almost want to say there's more story here that's going to be a betrayal or something or not working together well in Charlotte and Becky that's going to lead to Charlotte and Becky for the title for the Raw Women's Championship, and that's more where I'm headed. Here you go. I'm going to say Kabuki Warriors retain. I'll go out. I'll, okay. Everything in my head is telling me that Charlotte and Becky want that check mark, but something's telling me that there's something in my guts telling me that Charlotte and Becky have a bigger future beyond the Women's Tag Team Championships. I hope you're right. I'm going to pick Charlotte and Becky just to be obtuse because I'm I'm flipping a coin on this one. Yeah. And I'm just going to take the other one just because you're picking Kabuki Warriors. Yeah. So, uh, Bray Wyatt versus The Miz. It's going to be Mr. Rogers Bray Wyatt, not The Fiend. So it leaves him open to potentially lose here. Uh, who do you think is picking up the win here? I I'm inclined to say not a not a not a finish. I'm inclined to say that this is one of those that <laughs> something like Hell in a coming. Cell finish. Well, uh -huh. I, I agree. It's going to be a storyline. Brian, you got all kinds of. You got the family uh, hints that are circling. There's all kinds of stuff going around this that almost to the point where you like. Do you even care about the match? You just want the drama. So I'm. I, part of me says Miz beats Funhouse Bray and shows that he's fallible as sweater vest wearing Funhouse Bray. Right. But I, there's a lot of speculation around like what the weak spot is of the is it the fiend is it Bray is Bray the mastermind of the fiend is the puppeteer? I, I'm kind of just sitting back, rubbing my hands, going, "Oh my god, I can't wait to see what happens here." But yeah, I, if no, I'm picking, is, it's a storyline match. It's going to be for the storyline. Uh, I'm going to pick Miz. Okay, I actually am going to as well because I, I have a bit more of a feeling that Miz will get the technical win, even if he doesn't get the moral victory at the end, like the Fiend somehow flips it on him, or Daniel Bryan comes out and attacks him. Evil Daniel's hairless Bryan comes out and attacks him, or whatever it is. Uh, I have the feeling that Miz picks up the win here. It's a non-title match, right? Why not make it a title match if it's if Miz is going to lose? Um, so, yeah, I think Miz is going to pick up the victory here, but I think ultimately we're going to get another big look into what's going on with The Fiend. I'm psyched for this. And I'm also curious how Bray is going to enter as normal Bray, not as Fiend Bray. Yeah. So, so I think we I all said know a, the well, that's Fiend, a good point Fiend entrance is one of the greatest entrances in wrestling right now. Uh, but how does regular Bray enter? Maybe ever. I'll, I'll, it's one of the best ones I've ever seen. Um, but I'll, I'll say this is – I think I've said a few weeks back that this was all about getting – Miz and Daniel Bryan back at each other. And could it potentially be the thing that messed up the Miz to get him back on the Healy side down the road to get back his Intercontinental title? Or could he somehow just figure out how to go get... I think that's what long You're term... You're obsessed with Miz getting the IC title. Those records. It. Yeah, I absolutely want to get those records. It's, it's coming eventually. It. Yeah, It's coming eventually. Yeah, keep, it in your, keep it in your pants, Nick. Yeah, I know. Keep it in your pants. Which is, by the way, real, something I meant to say actually say earlier during the uh, Miz, Daniel Bryan, Bray Wyatt segment. I feel like they put it back in their pants a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. They put it back in their pants. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. Yep. Um, next, we've got, lastly, we've got uh, Roman Reigns versus Baron Corbin in a TLC match. Ooh, ah. Can't wait for this one. So excited. Who's winning here? 
If Baron Corbin beats Roman Reigns here, it it might be my surprise of the year. <laughs> but in a weird twist, I can see them doing it. Uh, Roman has been losing, but he's they've turned him back into Super Roman again. Yeah, and he's he's not doing that anymore. Roman Reigns easily. Roman Re- Roman Reigns. I come on, man. Yeah. Uh, so finally, Roman Reigns versus Baron Corbin or Charlotte Becky versus Kabuki Warriors for the main event. This is a plus or minus one, Nick. So if you get this wrong, it's a negative one. Okay. I'll, you don't, I'll, you, you I'll, don't have to participate in this. This is this is a... No, we do. We're doing it. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll say that, and, I, and I'll say this and back it up by saying that I think it should. Uh, Charlotte and Becky versus the Kabukis should main event. I, I have no reason to invest in Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin at this point. Great. It's two dudes beating the shit out of out of each other with TLC. Dolph Ziggler is going to be out there. Security, the King's Court, or is going to be out there. Or all the King's Oh, it's going to be a whole mess. It's going to be a disaster. I'll be surprised if it is. Robert Roode is going to be out. Oh, wait. No, he's not. That's right. He's somewhere else because he took too much Rogaine. Uh, or whatever it was. Right. Who knows? But got popped for something. Yep. Oh, yeah. I, I have a feeling that uh, it's going to be Roman Reigns in that main event going home with detri- like basically the way the SmackDown went home. Big, doll sta- big dog stands tall. Yeah. And the crowd goes mild. Yeah. Uh, so, Nick, that is it for our TLC pickums. We've got a little bit more time. So, let's, uh, let's talk about Ring of Honor. Well, most of you were watching SmackDown last night, but if you didn't, if you're not keeping up with Ring of Honor, they had one of their bigger pay-per-views of the year, Final Battle, last night, uh, and it was. I, heard, I haven't watched the whole thing. I've watched pieces of it um, because I was trying to get all this set up so we could go today. But it's actually a really <laughs> good show, from all I hear. So it was uh, pretty solid. It was yeah. pretty solid. Yep. Um, sparsely attended, but pretty solid. Uh, if you have not seen the show yet, you don't want spoilers, skip forward about five minutes or just mute us for a second because I am going to give you the results of the matches last night. And there were some big results, by the way, some big spoilers, titles changed hands, bro. Um, I just, whoa, Vince Russo just took over for me me for a second there. (laughs) Yeah, bro. Uh, on the pre-show, Josh Woods and Silas Young beat Dalton Castle and Joe Hendry. What? 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 This one shocked the hell out of me. I was very surprised by that. Um, I mean, you know, Dalton, Dalton Castle. It's, I don't know. I, I don't know why. Uh, and Joe Hendry. Okay, but that's, yeah, that's how they went down. Kenny King uh, beat Rhett Titus. They're trying to make Rhett Titus another huge baby face, but uh, uh, I guess he's going to have to climb back into this. Kenny and King the, has honestly, been burning him down. They played the video package before this. Just absolutely yeah. murdered him on the mic over the last few weeks and just let it all led to this, right? So, yeah, yeah th- but, this was but, good. But, but Titus is like, he's the luck- likable little baby face. Yep. Uh, the best match on the pre-show, I couldn't believe it was on the pre-show. God. I can definitely pick a couple of matches it could have flip, flip list, flipped with. Jeff Cobb and, and Dan Moff, dude. How is Dan Moff still wrestling? Jesus Christ. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't I was know, watching him like awesome. in 2004 or something like that. I don't know, but he's still awesome. Yeah, he's still this, awesome. This match, this match had so much testosterone in it, Nick. My balls grew four sizes watching this match. It was this was awesome, and they they, they <laughs> to finish the match. So Jeff Cobb finally wins, which as he should. Um, but like, instead of they shake hands at the end, 
And instead of just shaking hands and walking, they shake hands and chop each other. Because <laughs> it's, 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 it's so manly. Ah, great stuff. We open the regular show with Marty Skrull and Flip Gordon with Brody King, basically Villain Enterprises, yep. versus Bandito and Flamita. Very fun, fast-paced match. Breathless match to start the show. Marty Skrull picking up what may be uh, his last match in Ring of Honor. A lot of chance for AEW. And he went out on his back, putting over Bandito and Flamita. Uh, we had uh, Vincent, recently Vinny, Vinny Marsaglia, uh, beat Matt Tavin, which people were not happy about. Matt Tavin going babyface. Uh, people were not happy that Matt went down in this match. I was kind of qu- uh, questioning it too, but I guess they're going to try and build him back up. Hmm. Um, Mark Haskins beat Bully Ray in a street fight. I have my thoughts about this. Um, I actually, we had, uh, Marshall was in the chat earlier, and he was saying that he really enjoyed this match. And you know what? More power to you if you enjoyed this match. It was definitely uh, what was advertised. It was a street fight. It was messy. It was gritty. Lots of implements of destruction. Cheese graters to the nuts. Oof. Bully Ray screaming, my balls! Uh, but at the same time, my issue with this match was I thought it should be a match that got Mark Haskins over, and it was just a match that was all about Bully Ray. It was just it was kind of booked to be all about Bully Ray. Everything that went down in it, revolved around Bully Ray. And if Bully's out there to put over Mark Haskins, he did ultimately lose to Mark Haskins. If you're out there to put him over, put him over. Like, don't have everything be about you while you're putting over somebody else because Mark Haskins kind of faded in the background in this match, yeah. in my opinion. Hmm. So, but, uh, but, it, but it was an entertaining match, and obviously people do like it, so there was that. Uh, Alex Shelley... And Colt Cabana had a really fun, albeit very short, match. Shelley picking up the win over Colt Cabana, which is interesting because Colt is currently the uh, uh, U.S. champion, North American champion over in NWA. I wonder if this will have any repercussions there. This all started by uh, Shelley coming out during the pre-show and calling him out when he was on commentary in a suit. And just going, yeah, all right. I'll I'll come have a match with you, I guess. Sorry, guys. I got to go get my gear on and... Off he went to put his boom boom gear on, and yeah, so I, I didn't expect much out of it. But no, I well, uh, we actually have people in the chat asking, uh, saying that if they we thought it was to get uh, Bully to stay. Bully's the booker. This is the thing. Bully's booking Ring of Honor right now, and so that's makes it even more kind of Hoganish that he's getting himself over like that. But anyway, just my opinion. Uh, we had a quick match, Maria Manic. Was just came out and crushed Angelina Love and looked like a million bucks. Like, dear God, if you've got to take the title off of Kelly Klein, there, here's your girl right here. Put it on Maria Manic. She looked awesome. Yeah. Just like a straight beast. Uh, Dragon Lee showed up and beat Shane Taylor to win the Ring of Honor World Television Championship. Looks like it was a good move to move on from CMLL for Dragon Lee, who's got a, a Wrestle Kingdom match against Jushin Liger, his last, Jushin Liger's last match, and he's now the Ring of Honor television champion. So, yeah, Dragon Lee, good call to leave CMLL, I think. Uh, And then, let's see, we had Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham in a tag match against the Briscoes. And this blew my mind. Lethal and Gresham beat the Briscoes for the Ring of Honor tag team championships. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes, Lethal and Gresham are now your Ring of Honor tag 
team champions. Uh, interesting. Okay. Interesting decision. I mean, at uh, least and- it's somebody different. I, I, maybe I'll try yeah. to find the positive. <laughs> at least it's not the Briscoes anymore. No, and they've I've, had the titles have, for like eleven years. And I, like and I got some love for Lethal and Gresham, um, so cool. I hope this is not the Briscoes' be, way of being like, "Cool, we out." Yeah. AEW. Um, although, can you imagine Briscoes, LAX, and Young Bucks all in AEW? <laughs> My nipples can only get so hard, Nick. Ugh. And finally, PCO versus Rush for the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship. Um, not the prettiest match I've ever seen in my life, but it was a crap ton of fun. Uh, you had all kind of act. There was like, PCO came out in like a smoking hearse, and at one point, uh, Destro like reanimated him with the with the, like the car battery thing. Right. Uh, he smashed Rush through the windshield. Uh, he had a had a had a crowbar. There was there were people getting put through doors. This was a slobber knocker, insane match, and. Dear God, this crowd wanted PCO to win. Like, and this was kind of surprising to me because I thought Rush looked like a million bucks. Yeah. Not only coming out in this, but in this match, like he looked like a champion, an absolute champion. And no matter where he ends up, if he is indeed out of Ring of Honor and heading somewhere else, he's going to be something. Like uh, Rush, we've known for years that Rush is a big deal. Um, but it's just now like he's starting to branch out from uh, CMLL and become like a bigger deal outside of that. And I think people are going to see like at, at why he's been such a big deal for as long as he has on a smaller scene. He's going to be huge. Um, if he gets, if he gets anywhere near WWE, AEW, um, more time in new Japan, whatever, like people are really, really going to see this guy for what he is. Yeah. But, what he is, is no longer the Ring of Honor champion, PCO, picking up the win here. Mm. And uh, PCO, your new Ring of Honor champion. I did My hear, good- I think it was from Marshall, said that Marty Skrull was getting uh, AEW, AEW chance when uh, when he was out there. So, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about him getting having his last match I'm seeing in the chat. Uh, is he on his way to... AEW after this? Marty? Quite possibly. Yeah. I mean, we said like the door is wide open for him. There's a lot of places he could go. No idea. All I know is it's crazy that PCO... The, I, I always just say with how crazy the his career resurgence is. 51 years old, taking bumps that a 21-year-old wouldn't want to look at. Um, and it's made him Ring of Honor champion. So congratulations, PCO. Yeah. That is awesome. Well, thank you very much, Sir Ian Dangerous. Oh, guys, we're not done yet. We've got just enough time for our other news lightning round. Beep, 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 beep. Yes, indeed, sir. Uh, really quickly here, the ratings this week. Dead tie, 778,000 for AEW, 778,000 for NXT. More specifically, it was 771,400 to 778,300 for NXT. Um, 0.28, 0.28 and 18 to 49 for AEW, 0.24 for NXT. NXT still pulling in the over 50s. Uh, what's crazy is both of them, Pulled in almost no teens, less than seventeen thousand under eighteen for both shows. They're not watching Either, cable. They're not. That's what I'm saying. They're just they're consuming they it in a different way. <laughs> they're consuming it yeah. in a different way. If this is an example of that, I don't know what is. Yeah. Um, NWA's into the fire pay per view is coming up in about an hour uh, from now. 
you got Nick Aldis defending against James Storm in a two out of three falls match. New ref for every round. Uh, the Rock and Roll Express are the tag team champions. They're defending against the Wild Cards in a rematch. The uh, let's see, Colt Cabana, the national champion, will be defending against Aaron Stevens and Ricky Starks in a triple threat Damn. match. Allison Kay and Ashley Vox will be facing Melina and Marty Bell. Eli Drake versus Ken Anderson. Thunder Rosa versus Tasha Steeles. Tasha making her debut today. And finally, Trevor Murdoch versus The Question Mark. Uh, that's coming up, as we said, in an hour over on Fight TV. Uh, we had a couple more matches made for NXT UK Blackpool this week. Tony Storm versus Piper Niven versus Kaylee Ray for the women's title in a triple threat match. I think we called that a couple weeks back, Nick, when we started seeing Tony and Piper get into it. Uh, also, this is madness. This is madness. Gallus versus Imperium versus Grizzled Young Vets versus Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster in a ladder match, four-way tag team ladder match for the tag titles. Be still my beating heart. NXT UK Blackpool is going to be nuts. Just off those matches. We don't even have a, a just title match Just two matches. Yet. Just have those two and we're done. You're going to have Ilya Dragunov versus Walter as well. We probably. Oh. That's my guess. That's Jesus Christ. That's three, three matches right there that I must see. CM Punk was on backstage again this week, but the numbers just weren't as good as they were the first time he was there. Uh, the first time he was on the show was the highest rating they've had at 180,000 viewers. This time, only 127,000 viewers. Uh, that's down even from last week where they had 138,000. So CM it's Punk buried on FS1 live stream it for free on the internet and it'll explode. Yeah, I, well, it'll help quite a bit. But uh, people are waiting for CM Punk to drop a pipe bomb and it hasn't really happened yet. He's been fairly safe. Uh, Marcus Crane, you may know him from GCW. He's a deathmatch wrestler. He uh, he's in the hospital with some sort of neurological, like a brain infection or something. So best wishes to him. Oh, man, uh, he's gonna be starting a GoFundMe soon. For that, um, that's gnarly. Yeah, it's so best wishes. Apparently, he was on, on the way to a show and had to go to the hospital, and they were like, you ain't leaving. Something's, something's wrong with you. Uh, Piper Niven just mentioned her. She had an attack of Bell's palsy uh, recently, Was had to go to the hospital for it, posted But she seemed like she was in good spirits about it, posted on Twitter. Um, Haha, I've got a funny face and now a permanent people's eyebrow because, as you know, Bell's palsy. It's what happened to Jim Ross. It affects your face. Drake Maverick um, as well, I believe. Yep. And uh, you can't talk about the side of their mouth like that. It's a little bit why. of a, it's a, um, it's a mini stroke in a way. Yeah. You can, you can actually recover from some of it, um, but you never know how much of your facial uh, expression you will lose. Yeah. So get well, Piper Niven. That is rough. And finally, uh, RIP, rest in peace, Renee Goulet. You may have never heard his name, but the dude did a lot of very important stuff. Uh, road agent for WWE um, for a lot of their big years uh, through the 80s and 90s. He was in a tag team with Andre the Giant in New Japan. Uh, he won what is now known as the World Tag League way back in 81. Uh, he was the first man to ever beat Ric Flair, mm. if, that, if that gives you an idea. Um, 86 years old. So uh, rest in peace. Rene Goulet. And finally, Nick, before we get out of here, uh, I want to do a little something that we've started calling a moment of positivity. Yes. What, what this week made you smile or made you happy? What in the, in since the last show we had was something that, that gave you the grins. Does it have to be you, about wrestling? Um, 
No, let's let, just general moment of positivity, preferably about wrestling. But if it's not, that's that's go for it. The fact that everything worked for the show today after completely disassembling, <laughs> and, and I'm talking hundreds of cables. It's the simple and things. monitors and uh, and it all coming back together. One little minor hiccup last night, but th- that's all fixed and everything's just running like it was. Um, wrestling wise, man, I I just I can't get enough of Keith Lee in NXT right now. All of the things he's been doing the last couple of weeks. And to top that off, my I think my actual moment of positivity will be Tom and Ross, the Cultaholic guys, made a music video of Don't You Forget About Keith. You son of a bitch, you stole it from me. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. No, because I, I have to agree with you. Uh, Tom and Ross making that music video, I was just, I literally we're not had worthy. a tear yeah. rolled down my face. I was crying so hard at it. Um, and also... Uh, other Ross, who edited, I believe, the whole, that whole thing was brilliant. Um, Keith Lee reposted it and, and said it was brilliant. Like, mwah, mwah. And I wish we could do it better on this show because we're on opposite coasts here. So every time we try to do it, we get out of sync and it sounds terrible. <laughs> Damn it. But you know what? We're going to make one. Anyway, don't you forget Get about Keith. Don't, 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 don't. All right. Don't that's you, that's, that's, all, right, that's all you're going to get today. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, get, way to go, guys. That is that is definitely our favorite current meme in wrestling and is my moment of positivity. That's my happiest moment of the week is those dudes knocking it out of the goddamn park with some brilliant YouTube content. Way to go, gentlemen. Talk about Rockets <laughs> getting strapped. Mega stardom all of a sudden because now Full Sail <laughs> is chanting it at the NXT yes. show this week, too, it's, off the back of it. Nick, the very first time I heard about it, I saw it on Twitter, and I tweeted at them, it will be a thing, capital T thing. I will, by God, this will be a thing. And, Nick, it's it a is thing. a thing. It's a thing. It is a thing. And that is the news. Well, thank you very much, Sir Ian Dangerous. I enjoyed all of that. I hope you guys did as well. Thank you guys for tuning in. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with a brand-new stream for our patron mailbag episode that we'll be doing immediately after this show goes off. You'll see a new notification if you're subscribed so make sure you're subscribed down below if you're watching on youtube if you're listening on the podcast head over to youtube.com slash busted wide open bang that uh, subscribe button for us and jingle the notification bell so you get notified whenever we go live or put up new videos come over and join us on facebook as well search for busted wide open on facebook like our page and uh, send us a join request to get into the discussion group. It is the sort of hub of our operation, and you'll find links in there to all kinds of good stuff, including our Discord server, where you can get in and have live chats all throughout the week. And for pay-per-views, we have dedicated chat channels for all pay-per-views, including TLC happening tomorrow night. We will be doing a watch party, as we always do, for the kickoff show in Facebook. So you got to make sure you're in the Facebook discussion group to be a part of that. Are you cutting in on something? No. Me? Yeah. I, you look like you wanted to say. Okay. Never oh, I was mind. happy, man. We're, we're, we're over in the chat having a love fest. So all right. I'm, cool. I'm, I, I'm I, just, you guys do your I'm thing. A, I'm gonna... That moment of positivity. <laughs> I'm just all positive it's now. It's the power of positivity. The power of positivity. Which, go listen to the New Day podcast. It's fantastic, oh, by the way. You won't hear oh, me often shout so out another good. podcast like this, but it's, it is. it is. I'll put uh, the New Day uh, podcast over. It is so much fun. Just You know you get. I mean. You get those three guys in a. We saw their their uh uh um what the one where they're in the car like there you put them in a room and have them talk it's yeah. going to be goddamn entertaining yeah right uh, Twitter and Instagram at BWO podcast again YouTube.com slash busted wide open and last but certainly not least thank you to all of our patrons Patreon.com slash BWO make sure you get signed up there because you get the ability to get not only copies of the show notes every week bonus episodes every month but uh, every week you can ask 
listener questions as part as being part of our patronage to get answered on our patron mailbag episode, which we're going to do right now after we're done with this. So yeah. thank you very much, guys, for joining us live. Shout out to the live chat today. Sorry about the trolls and all of that naughty language and bad stuff that was said in there, but I think what I got trolls? that under control. I saw nothing. I cleared it all out. I cleaned it up. I know. So, guys, my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God, somebody stop the damn match! This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.